There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go on to the internet. Ah. Like, you know? Fair play. Talk to Neil Prenderville. That's, that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. And indeed, uh, there are warning in the papers this morning, including the inside pages of the Star. Don't end up in the ICU, as in icy. You get it. I love those tabloid headline writers, don't you? I actually saw the video last night um, from Blarney. Uh, my God, where the bus was coming through Blarney, and all of a sudden, then it lost absolutely total all traction and slid sideways right across the road and almost halfway around the bend in the road. When I was looking at the video footage last night, it struck me, my God, it was just so lucky that that bus, a double decker, didn't turn over on its side because there could have been serious injury or maybe even loss of life. So be careful out there. Chilling warning, certainly for drivers. The Echo this morning uh, has City and County Council saying that they will do even more gritting. So that's got to be a good thing. Um, The papers this morning are very much dominated by protesters that would seem to be making a difference. Now, certainly uh, the uh, ongoing protest at at, uh, Formoy continues. I might update with the protesters at Formoy at the former guest house, which has been earmarked for uh, Ukrainian refugees, asylum seekers and and possibly and the worry is single men um, now the Ballinrobe Hotel is another one above in the county Mayo where they, there seems to have been a U-turn uh, on refugees after the continual protest so this is a, a hotel which will now host families instead of male asylum seekers Johan um, Marnes says this is not a U-turn um, but you, you know, this kind of this this kind of success, I would think, certainly with regards to protesters who are, are very touchy feely and worried about men coming into the local community, only men uh, from various countries will we'll see this as being a, a victory. And, and perhaps others then will, will be emboldened and say, OK, well, we are going to do likewise. So the mail this morning leads with U-turn on refugees after protests. And this morning, Sun says protest hotel will now only take refugee families as opposed to single males. And there's been a big worry about single males all over the country and indeed recently led to the burning down of a closed pub in Dublin. Never mind the arson attack in Balancholic some time ago. There's a TD makes the front of many of the red tops. The mirror's front page speaks of a a former TD who's due to appear in court. This is an accusation uh, which has to be answered in court, driving under the influence of cocaine. He is a uh, one-time Labour and Fianna Fáil deputy, Colm Keevney, uh, and before the the courts on January 23rd. It's a a Galway story. Many of the papers talk of that. And it's interesting because yesterday I had been talking, say, with Shane Ross and a lot of texts from you guys about uh, drink driving and, and indeed drug driving. Papers also, um, and this is the most astonishing story, because at one stage one of those accusing uh, Jeff, Jeffrey uh, F. Epstein of being a pimp uh, and uh, hiring them out. Um, these are young girls, of course. You know the backstory. Uh, Epstein supposedly took his own life in a police cell, and of course it, it led to the destroying of the career and the life of uh, of Prince Andrew, um, uh, Richard Branson has been thrown into the mix now, and Bill Clinton as well. Even even Donald Trump is in there. There was an allegation that the that there were sex tapes where people were filmed having sex with girls who were being trafficked. It's disgusting. Um, well, that was an accusation that was made by a girl by the name of Sarah Ransom, who's been a, who was a victim of the financier and is going through the courts at the moment. Uh, and the papers love this because at one stage she claimed that they there were there were tapes, uh, sex tapes. 
uh, and later retracted it. So I don't know why the papers are giving it so much uh, oxygen, the Epstein sex tapes, because they don't clearly identify in any of the, the stories and did you read right into them that it was later something that she said that she made up but it's on the front of, of the sun today um, they're awfully sad you know you talk about people being found dead at home for all sorts of uh, un, unclear reasons and I don't know whether this was carbon monoxide poisoning I, I just no, nobody knows it was the tragic death of a couple uh, the Kavanagh couple Paul and Morag on Saturday above in County Longford they're saying it could have been uh, carbon monoxide is being cited as the suspected cause and that of course could have been from a faulty boiler uh, or indeed uh, maybe a fire that didn't have uh, good um, you know a, a decent flu to take out the carbon monoxide and, and things like that but the problem with carbon monoxide is that you're 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 dead uh, and you never even smelt it uh, so you never saw it coming it's 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 an awful one papers also talk in, in detail uh, about the cost of living in Ireland why wouldn't they for god's sake one thing it just goes up and up and up and now uh, is looking at more increases in health insurance whether it's your your VHI that's what's quoted in the papers today thousands uh, will have to um, uh, come up with more money because there are more hikes on the way. Nothing's been announced, but it certainly is being penciled in. And at the same time, of course, uh, the Irish Times this morning leads with one in five small nursing homes shut either during or after the pandemic. So you got that on top of talk yesterday with regards to play schools and creches closing and things like that. And when it comes to children and having children, it's quite interesting because I see it in the Echo this morning where the Pope has called a surrogacy despicable. It's a very strong word to use, isn't it? But the Pope has called for a universal ban on the despicable practice of surrogate motherhood. Uh, and he also says that it is nothing more than commercialism, commercialism or the commercialization of pregnancy. Uh, he talks also about things like global peace and humanity and dignity and stuff like that, but has a right go at surrogacy for those who can't have children themselves but are desperate to have a child. Uh, I don't know how compassionate that point of view is from, from the Pope, but your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. And if you wanted to know how much people spent in the supermarkets to make the big supermarket chains even more wealthy, than they are. This has nothing to do with Prezi's or Santa Claus or anything like this. This is just the tills in the supermarkets in Ireland. 1.4 billion euro. That's nearly like one, that's well and truly over um, you know, 1,400 million. It's an incredible amount of money, isn't it? Their highest ever uh, and the greatest number of visits ever to grocery stores um, in the history of when they've been taking these kind of things uh, and and researching them. Um, Apparently, everything worked. Everything was up except for Brussels sprouts and mince pies. Both of those took a slump. Don't know why. Um, I suppose it's just that you need the one bag of Brussels sprouts and you only have them on the one day. Everything else is repeat, repeat, repeat. Uh, But a bumper Christmas, apart from the Brussels sprouts and the mince pies. I didn't know uh, that Graham Norton, when he first went to uh, England in the back end of the, the 80s, was actually mugged and stabbed it's a story that makes the mirror today. He said getting stabbed during a brutal mugging when he was in his mid-twenties was the worst moment of his life, but it changed his life for the better. It's a lengthy article. I've only time for the first couple of paragraphs, but he says uh, the, he almost died from blood loss following the terrifying early morning incident during his drama school days in London in 1989. But it changed his perspective on life because apparently he stopped worrying about trivial things and focused on what really mattered. I guess 
guess that would make you sit up and look at things differently, losing half your blood and thinking uh, that you were going to die on the street and then literally having to pull through in hospital. But, you know, I know the way we label things and, you know, we give up this and stop doing that and January is a dry one and you need to make New Year's resolution and all that kind of hocus pocus. But they do talk about sad as we head into, um, even though the days are getting longer now and we're over the the darkest period, um, they talk of sad in the papers this morning, seasonal adjusted disorder. And they talk about different ways to fight it, like staying active, getting out into nature, self-care, socialise more, travel if you can, have fun, be grateful for the things in your life, stay away from toxic people. You want people who are radiators, you don't want to be around people who are hoovers. That's my way of putting it anyway. So they talk about SAD this morning and it's recognised as a condition and really you could call it also the January blues. So the Red Tops deal with that this morning. I love that Philamonte Don. Everybody has to have a posh title. Now we're all we're all horticulturalists. He says there's one thing that wrecks his head is people go around calling themselves horticulturalists. What's wrong with the word gardeners? I'm a gardener. I love the outdoors. I'm a gardener. And I love this one, which I didn't get to yesterday. It's a microwave in a bag or a microwavable bag, or a bag that works like a microwave. Costs around €140. Euro. And at first hand, it looks like a laptop case. But you quite literally put your food into Tupperware, slip it into the bag, zip it up, and then you turn on the bag with your smart app. And you choose the heating set system, the heating setting. Now, these things, apparently, these bags can get up to, uh, what did I read it? Oh, get up to 90 degrees Celsius in 10 minutes. That's hot. Or 130 degrees Celsius in 20 minutes. I mean, that is blazing hot. Like, it's got a maximum temperature of 250 degrees Celsius. Wouldn't it be a great gift or something to, you know, sort out the issues if you take food to work? I don't know that you give it to a kid going to school. They might scald themselves with it, but it's ingenious. It's um, um, one way of looking at fast food. And you wear it like, apparently, your dinner's dinners inside. You wear it like a laptop bag, but it microwaves and heats your meal on the go. And you heard in the news there at nine o'clock about rage rooms. I'm reliably informed that there is actually a rage room in Cork, or at least there was a rage room, where you literally go into the room and you smash things. Um, We were looking at videos of it this morning. Fairness, Kevin got a great kick out of it. They were smashing plates. They were smashing vases. They were smashing garden gnomes Hmm. with like um, uh, golf clubs. But there was a huge love of smashing printers. And there's a few printers around this building that we would love to take into a rage room and smash, right? But, oh my but God. the biggest user, apparently, globally, are women going through divorce. Yeah, divorce, newly divorced women. I, like, I think it's a... It's good. It's a good idea, isn't it? I'd be up for it, like. <laughs> Why not? You put on all the protective gear and the goggles... I don't think they smash anything with glass or anything like no, that. But, no, 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 no. You know, you know, but old, like, but old electrical. I'd goodness. love to have a go off printer. I like you, you, then people listening. Maybe people in their own workplaces and offices know what this feeling is. But like you know, five to nine shows about to start. Looking for something you absolutely need to kick off with. Printer doesn't work. Go to the second printer. That would doesn't you, work. People would you fly- say that the biggest malfunction item in the workplace is a printer? I, I would say in this, would definitely in this workplace. Anyway, with everyone in the other yeah, workplace. Yeah. The other one. The other one is running out of yellow. 
highlighters. <laughs> or, or, or somebody taking staplers from your desk. Or stabiliser robbers. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> no, I'd love to, I have to say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big person for like smashing up things, but definitely printers after the last couple of weeks we've had. I, I would love to. So is there, is, I know you reached out to me, is there a rage room in Cork? Yeah, the, uh, the axe throwing guys, uh, I think they're down on French Church Street, or it could be Carey's Lane, one of those two. Um, they are, um, I supposedly had a rage room since October of last year. So we'll see if it's still in business. We might get down there. Oh, and, I'd um, love you to get down there and have it. a smashing time. Yeah. And go for it. <laughs> smashing I mean, time. Be, very good. Okay, very let's good. See if they come back to you and we can <laughs> chat with them at some stage. Cheers for that. Text 0868104106. Um, certainly, if you are behind a rage room, if you've ever used them, do let me know. Pick up the phone 0818104106. Get dialing. They're all the rage. You'll have a smashing time. Thank you so much. Our lines are open. Uh, before I carry on, can I say thank you to Andrew Fitzgerald, uh, who was home recently from overseas. I believe it's probably somewhere in America. And he says, just back here in the UK, in the US, from three days in Cork to celebrate my dad's 90th birthday. He says, see below some observations for what they are worth, the positives and the less positive. What will I do first? I'll do the positive first. Best scenery in the world. Best motorways in the world. Best pubs in the world. Best food ingredients and best food quality in the world. Best charm, best people and the best personable nature in the world. His observations of being back home in Cork uh, for a few days for his dad's 90th. The less positive, he says, dog poo everywhere. On footpaths, greenway walks, etc., better keep your eyes down as you walk in Cork these days. Traffic on the local and secondary roads is worse than California. But what's very interesting, he says, portion size of food is now the same as America and way too big. In America, they overserve to get a good tip. In Ireland, they overserve to justify the prices they charge. I wasn't back long enough to comment on anything else. These are just my own observations. I love the positive ones. We know about the dog poo. I don't know if we ever resolved that one. Traffic is only going to get worse. You hope that maybe things like the McCroom bypass or indeed Dunkettle will make things a little bit better. But portion size, he says, just the same now as America and way too big. Okay, back after the break. Text 0868 104 106. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Very interesting observation made yesterday. I was chatting with Evan Yates in the air. He was talking about Michal Martin's future and uh, indeed Leo Varadkar's future and he seemed to imply, well actually did imply quite directly that their future did not seem in t- maybe before the end of 2024 as the leaders of their respective parties. Um, he was saying that uh, Mihal Martin probably will run for uh, presidency. It's quite interesting because um, uh, that's a story that's been doing the rounds quite quietly for the past couple of months. So he's not the absolute favourite. Maureen McGuinness is ahead of him, then Fergus Finlay, uh, and then himself, and then Bertie O'Hearn, although Ivan Yates yesterday ruled out Bertie O'Hearn. And then you have the likes of uh, Jerry Adams, uh, who also probably will throw his hat in the ring. But Mihal Martin, I thought it would make an interesting vox from the, from the streets of Cork, just to find out as to whether or not Cork people would like to see Ireland's very first Cork president. I would say, I'd love to say, no, Michael D was a very good man to the people. To people. Michal Martin is the man we were hoping to get in there. First Cork president of Ireland. Well, marvellous. 
might even leave me stall now. Today he's been president and got me see him. <laughs> then you wouldn't leave your stall for many, would you? I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Right off here. Going back years when I was young, I could go to him for anything I wanted. Yeah. Any problem, the people he was down to earth, he's one of our own. And I, he, he'll always be one of our own. No, definitely not, no. He hasn't done, a, like, he's done a lot of wrong things. He hasn't been fair, really, in a lot of things, to be honest. He's been tarnished, though. He's been Taoiseach. No, he's yeah, been he, he yes, the yeah. actual first Cork president of Ireland. Yeah, right, it'd be good for Cork, yeah, it would be good, yeah. So, I mean, it would be good for Cork, yeah. What would you vote for him? Well, I know my mother would, anyway. Uh, I don't think Michal Martin would be a good, strong candidate for president, given his performance in government. No. No. I wouldn't support him for anything, no. No? No. Or Leo or any of them in right. government Fine, at the moment. Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, two totally different parties, two totally different policies, all right? But yet they went into bed with each other in order to make sure that Sinn Féin didn't achieve government. That's not the interest of the country. That's the interest of themselves. But this is Michal now going for the yeah, president along with Bertie Ahern. What's, and what's to say? What's to say that he's not going to go with what's good for him as opposed to what's good for the country? But he, he's just a figurehead, Dennis. He's not my figurehead. Look, all I can say, man, is if Michal wants a state-sponsored house, let him join onto the housing list like me, and let him go through the same degrading treatment that I go through when I go in. Twelve and a half years on a housing list. Separated. Twelve and a half years. Divorced officially since the summer. And I'm still going in every week and begging can I please get somewhere where I can take my kids overnight. The only one worse than the old man for that job would be Bertie Ahern. He's on the list as well. He is. He is. And would you not support him though? I would crawl naked over broken glass all the way up here to Gaza to tell the Israelis they're wrong first. So who would you like to see in the RS next year? Somebody apolitical. So I'm not really sure who at the minute. There's nobody on the list. Conor McGregor? No. Genuinely Miriam O'Callaghan? Again, I'd say no. But if Jerry Adams was to run, he would get... He'd get a lot more support than people think. I wouldn't personally vote for him. Yeah. Peter Case is kind of anti anti foreigners, he's anti itinerant, anti traveller. So grand that, that plays well locally, it won't play well nationally. Michal Martin for president, by and large, from that fox, I don't think so. You wonder what the natural progression for politicians is and uh, how many of them are in it for themselves. Uh, I know that's a wide sweeping remark to make. Go from councillor to TD to minister to leader to president and or, um, you know, head of a European commission or whatever. Uh, But of course, unfortunately, all too often, Uh, The wake that's left behind them is very much uh, left to the people to struggle on. Uh, Ivan Yates is great fun. I met him at the Ploughing Championships. He came out of his studio when the ads were on to talk to us as John and McCroom. Uh, He was timing his ad break, I suppose. Marie says, uh, listening to Ivan Yates, he's so good at what he is saying. And it's also true. Anyone getting in now as in to power, will definitely be better than what's there at the moment. Hopefully the young people will vote them in, as in Sinn Féin, as they are all so wronged 
are young people. Well, he says that they are raging angry with their parents' politics. Sinn Féin up north and the Sinn Féin in the south are two different Sinn Féins. They would be more militant and aggressive up north and, the, and that stems from the troubles. But they are still, and they're still under, you know, from the days when they were under British rule and still are. Uh, how will the loyalists in Belfast react to an all-Ireland Sinn Féin government, says Desi. Actually, Desi says an all-Ireland Sinn Féin IRA government. Uh, I think you're way off and Ivan too. Sinn Féin has failed as an opposition. I voted Sinn Féin for 20 years, always Jonathan O'Brien and Tommy Gould, but I won't vote for them again. If you put up a poll, you'll find that two years ago I'd have agreed, but not now. I'll be voting for independence. Uh, Sinn Féin's policy for the last two years has annoyed so many people, including supporting hate speech crime, sorry, hate speech bill, supported the vaccine passes, supporting open borders, supporting trans ideology in our schools, uh, labelling people in their own area as far right. I think you will see a new rural party. The Farmers Alliance will take a lot of seats. Um, Ireland, sorry, Europe doesn't care about us. We need an IR exit. Any news on the immigrant in Dublin who tried to grab the child uh, and also Micheál Martin is just hated. You are all so delusional. Well, thank you for that. Uh, just delusional trying to discuss things Sinn Féin would drive pharmaceuticals out of the country Leo and Michal keep saying that Sinn Féin objects to most housing estates at planning stage they want to control the housing that landlords bought for their pensions uh, I won't be voting for them I'll be voting, f- I'll be voting no uh, as well in the upcoming referendum mothers are important mothers can't be men who are born men uh, Leo is pushing an agenda again for more transgenderism. So that's very interesting responses there. Some of them are quite uh, similar. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. To the phone lines we go. Hillary, good morning. How are you doing, Neil? I'm good, my man. I'm good. I'm just I'm just seeing your text here for the first time. Um, what's what's the deal with the with the old cottage? Well, the deal was you're talking about rage, you know. Um, there was a certain lady had been ringing me over a period of time, very, very posh lady. Yeah. And she wanted to know, um, like, the possibility uh, of going into a building that's completely ready for to be knocked, you know? Yeah. That there's no more anything to be stripped or anything that she wanted. Um, like, but she rang me a few times and... Anyway, you know, you'd be kind of nervous in a situation like this and you wouldn't know who you're talking to and all that, but she wouldn't give me her name, she'd give me nothing. And but anyway, uh, she got into me, I had a cottage that, that was ready for knocking and it was coming down the following day and it, when I was talking to her. Okay, so I, I should, I should mention like, actually, because I'm only seeing this now, that, that you have loftus demolition, of course, that's what you, you do, you go in and you, you safely right. knock yeah. things and demolish yeah. things, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, the, the best in the land, like the best totally. in the land. Totally, yeah, know, absolutely. And, and a great track record yeah. for many decades, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. But um, anyway, I, you know, I took a chance and uh, she said, she, herself and her brother wanted to go in and just go into the building and kind of freak out a bit, you know, like, she's not, I said, okay. I Smash things, her, is it? I told her, well, Sorry? They wanted to go in and sm- sm- I, like kind of um, a, a rage room kind of thing. I, I, kind of a rage. You know, it, 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 she just, you know, so I, anyway, I, I said, yeah, there's a cottage. It's to be knocked. It's coming down the following day. And I said, you're free to go in. And I gave her 
look, I didn't bother going on spying or watching what she was going on like that, but which I took a chance really. And then the following day, I went in there, and there was hammer marks on the walls. There was windows broke. There was hammer marks on the doors, and just and about um, maybe. Four days later, three days later, I got a lovely letter with no address, no nothing, and again, and a cheque for £350. <laughs> then, this is about 30 years ago, and she says, she told me she came herself and her brother were reared uh, in such a way that, uh, like, if they broke something, they'd be punished severely for it from, the, from their parents. <laughs> and so they were kind of raised on a silver platter, you could say. And, you know, and it was building up inside her, she said, that she wanted to leave off steam <laughs> and just, you know, and that's basically it. But I got 250 quid. So I this had was, this was a cottage most... that you were going to be demolishing anyway. And she said, could we go in was, for, like, it, what? What did they, what did they bring yes. in with them? Like, was it a claw hammer or... Oh, probably, uh, a hammer or whatever, you know. A golf club? And they uh, shot over the golf club. Anything, you know. And uh, for all the marks. And I tell you, too, now they're only the funny mom just uh, to see what they'd done, you know. And um, there, was no, there was no blood in the ground here. No, but, uh, how, how old were this brother and sister, do you know? I have no idea. I have no idea. Their age, who they were, it was all like even the phone calls. I mean, look, uh, they ring. I don't know what numbers were there. There was no numbers to come up. But uh, just to let uh, off steam and, and let off steam. <laughs> that that is, and the letter. Oh Jesus, I had the letter for twenty five years. I say, or twenty years. The, the letters gone. They don't know where they come, but uh, but that was it. And uh, Jesus. Uh, well, I mean, they didn't. They didn't kind of completely knock the face down it, but there was hammer marks. There was on the floor even. There was marks on the floor where they were hitting the ground with it. With, what about with all the, the windows, the glass in the windows and stuff? They broke. They broke a load of windows. They broke a load of windows. Yeah. They couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't take out the banisters on the stairs because it was a cottage, right? It was. No, all... It's only a cottage. That's all. Yeah. It was no. No. Right, steel, okay. No. Nothing. Okay. Okay. So you were well ahead of the game thirty years ago when it came to uh, rage rooms. You gave people a cottage to rage in. <laughs> a cottage to rage. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Indeed, I love you know. It, I love it. You amazing. know, there might be a side business there for loft- Loftus if people wanted to let off steam. You could let them climb up. The, the top of the crane you know the one with the wrecking ball and let him have half an hour on the wrecking ball <laughs> what, do you, what do you think that'd be okay too. <laughs> all right. well, nice. we, nice. must, we must think about all those things You're right, listen sure you might think about it you know. but you can be sure that health and safety won't allow you to do it in the way we live now but anyway it's a great no, no, story no. lovely and story we could do Neil if you'd be interested Neil we'll, we can start you off with the crane like and let you go uh, with the ball oh Maybe my god I'm watching I'm watching I'm watching a building actually my son bought a house up in Ballinglan and Glanmire right? and you go up the hill there was a big old house the there did, did you see them knocking that was that you? Yeah, we done it. We done it. Yeah, that's right. I think that's there's something. Right. I think there's something very relaxing just watching a house being demolished. I mean, like it's just fantastic to watch. Oh, I tell you, it's a great feeling to be doing it too. This is that was a big house, though, Hillary. 
it was a big house, a big house, Neil. Yeah. Oh my big God! House. And there's there's a special. You, yeah. you just can't go. You just can't go wrecked. Like you just there's a plan, isn't there? Otherwise, it could be dangerous, I suppose. Oh, you, you, well, as I said, this is knocking number fifteen is no problem. The trick is to keep number fourteen and sixteen standing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so far so good. All right, nice one, Hillary. Take care, my man. Cheers for okay, now. The great Hillary Loftus. He's been calling this radio program for many a long year. He's a lovely, lovely guy. I suppose you know demolition is a bit like eating an elephant, isn't it? Like one bite at a time. Actually, you know, talking about car characters. Here's a piece of audio that the lads came across yesterday. It's a bit of rem- Reminiscing for us, go back to 2007. It was the Quinn Ryan on Barrick Street. As a girl called Breda Murphy is speaking to a fella called Martin. And the Quinn Ryan subsequently shut its doors for the last time later that year. Uh, and I think that she was having a go at uh, politicians and the smoke and ban and all sorts of stuff like that. But this is as great a car character as you'll ever hear. It's not the longest piece of audio uh, in the world, but it certainly is worth. Um, a listen to have a listen to this. This is the last days of the Quinn Ryan. All the good pubs are fucking closing down here in Cork over the bastard non smoking. They're minding on smoking. Oh, shut up, Martin. We all dear. They're too dear. They're not too dear. Well, give me your money and I spent it so. We'll see how Do you think do. this is too dear here for you? Not you wouldn't time. be here if you thought it was too dear. You're trying to mind the boat. So what are you talking about? <laughs> you put it down to the smoking ban? Yeah, I do put it down to the smoking ban. It's so ridiculous, like. People are staying at home, they prefer it. Yeah. You don't have to be going out in the cold, going out the front row, making fools of themselves when everyone's seen them, knowing their business. It's ridiculous. You shouldn't be smoking, it's bad for your health. Shut up, Martin. Poor old Martin, she kept telling, shut up Martin over and over again. Anyway, it's another example of people who get an opportunity to vent. Doesn't have to be a rage room, you go to and you smash things and pay for the privilege. Just go to your local pub, get a drink, whatever you're having yourself. You can't have a fag, you have to go outside for that. And just have a good old-fashioned vent or a good old-fashioned rant. I wonder how other people, um, how other people vent their frustrations. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Uh, just uh, for the record, over the next few days, a couple of updates on various stories we've been working on. One, of course, is the Boyle Sports bet, which hasn't been paid out yet by Boyle Sports. There's a guard investigation into that one, I believe, and also we'll be touching base again with regards to uh, Cabana going into receivership and an awful lot of people losing money on deposits for hot tubs and indeed for cabins and what have you. So we'll be touching base again on that one just to update and see how things are going. But I didn't get time to do this yesterday, although I did mention it, that uh, the Department of Justice now is going to try and get tougher on people who don't pay uh, weekly child maintenance even though they're instructed to by the courts so they call it dads who dodge child support it's very negative I think those kind of articles to dads who don't dodge child support and indeed might even have issues themselves with regards to child visitation rights and what have you but anyway maybe that's for another day so they're thinking now that maybe those that dodge it will actually be caught for the legal costs if they're brought into court for not paying maintenance or that the revenue will collect it or their bank accounts will be frozen or anything to do with anything to do with salary it could be deducted at source all of those kind of things so there must be an issue there let me talk to Vicky Buckler Luck Buckley a regular contributor to this program a lawyer solicitor with MV Legal Vicky, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Happy good, New Year. Happy New Year to you. Is, is, is this a problem, the non-payment of, say, let's call it weekly child maintenance? Is it a problem? It is a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. Um, I think it's it's similar across the board that, you know, the way 
Um, even with say if you go to criminal courts and people are like Irish only suspended sentence wouldn't worry about it um, the, the lack of respect with regards to a court order just seems to like it's it's just become a, it's become a big problem okay. in that a maintenance order is made and people say sure I can't pay it I'm not paying it and that's it okay. so um, what, that's, do, we have, do we have a percentage then of the amount of court orders for maintenance that are not being honoured do you know, I, I, I don't have I don't have a percentage, but I know that the um, the law society um, are working with solicitors um, to to try and reform it, and I know the Department of Justice has now said right enough for this because people are going back in. So traditionally, what happens is if you get a court order and there's a non-payment of it, you then have to go back in. You, as the person who was supposed to get the maintenance, has to go back in yourself. It's almost like a bit of cap in hand, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And like does that incur legal costs then for the partner going back in looking? It does. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does it does it does? So if you don't qualify for legal aid, then you have to pay costs again to go back in um, with a debtor summons. Okay. So and what happens? So it's, say, it's, for instance, if it's not paid, um, like do, do you have to wait for a number of weeks of non-payment before you can go back into the judge? No, you can go back. You can go back in if there's any breach of it. But like I would say to people. You know, listen. There might be a week or two where somebody's under pressure, or you know, let's let's just see what happens. But if it if it if you can see a pattern developing, I'd call stop beforehand. So say there's an order made for fifty euros a week. Um, so in the district court, the court can make an order up to one hundred and fifty euros per week per child. That's the maximum the district court can make based on what what uh, financials people will present. So you go in with what they call a statement of means, and that shows the money that you've coming in and the money that she's going out. So say the, the, the judge says that's 50 euros per week there now as a court order, and you miss three weeks of it, that's 150 euros. So if you're not qualifying for legal aid, right, then you have to go back in to the office, you have to file a debtor summons, you have to get a hearing date, which could be, depending on what court you're going to in whatever county it is, that could be three, four months, um, and then you go back in. Okay, so then the respondent, like the actual debtor who was supposed to pay the money, um, has to get what they call a penal warning. So what's happening here then is you're moving from the remit of family court into criminal court. Right. It's becoming a criminal offence. And that then. could take three or four months, at which time the maintenance non-payment has climbed up higher and yeah. higher and higher. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the amount on the summons, like, look, there's loads, of, there's loads of little technicalities in that aspect of it, but basically if somebody isn't paying, the person who's supposed to get that money by reason of the court order has to go back in. So I, I say that's very cap in hand, isn't it? Because you have to go back in again and say, please make them pay it. So why do you need a solicitor to go back in again? You just go in yourself to the judge, surely, and just say, like, what am I going to do now, judge? And, and you don't have any legal fees. Well, you can do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you, you can, can you can do, do that. Okay. Okay. You, okay. Yeah, you can. Okay. And and so if, if if in the event of that happening, and let's say it's me, and I go back in and I say, well, I know what you said, Judge, fifty euro a week or fifty euro mm. per child a week, but I just don't have it. Sorry about that. What happens then? So, um, what you like, strictly speaking, the judge could say, well, you could have came in yourself and said, listen, there was an order made. You can you can make an application to vary it. So they could have said, listen, I was working at the time, I'm not working now. And the court, the court are reason, they understand the reality of real life. Somebody might have had a job and now they're out of a job. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you're, you're, not, you're, not, paying, you're not paying a person just for the sake of it. The maintenance for your children. 
No, when I'm saying that genuinely, I don't yeah. have it. I just genuinely you don't, don't have well, it. You, yeah, you don't have it. And like, you know, you're familiar. I, I, I do a lot of this kind of work, right? And if there's access, or if there's any other applications that are there, there is an element of negotiation that's involved with it. But with maintenance, it's the money that you have take away the money that's going out and whatever money you're left with, then the court has to make a decision on that, that that is due to your to as maintenance to your children. And if you don't have it, then you go through with the same to means and you take out other things. This is like, it, it always reminds me of the conversation when the recession is in and they were telling us to get rid of Sky Television and all these extra little things yeah. that we had, right? Yeah. But that's the reality of it. Your children have to come first. So if you have gym membership and you you have, you know, um, Sky or you've Netflix yeah. or whatever it is that okay, way, but they all, they're all secondary to it. So if you don't have it, you genuinely don't have it. Well, then a different figure will be negotiated. But if you do have it and you're just being belligerent on it, then the court can find you in contempt, give you your penal warning, give you a chance to pay that lump sum because it's, it's accruing on a weekly basis because you haven't been in court. Right. And if you don't pay that and the court deems, given your finances, that you can pay it and you're just being belligerent about it, you will go to prison. And do people go to prison? Oh, they do. They do. They certainly do. Those guidelines came in there in the... um, Okay. How long would I I go to prison for? Do you know what? You go to prison until the money in total is paid. It's like the debtor prison plan go. You go in until that full amount has been discharged. Okay. Now, look, like I I was saying to Kevin, like there's another dilemma because if somebody says, I, you know, I I don't have it, whatever, I can't pay it, I I go to prison. Um, Most of the time, it's funny, people will find it. They will find it. Okay. As opposed to to going to prison. Okay. And and those that actually do end up going to prison, are are they always men? For non-payment to maintenance, um, well, in my experience, I've never known a woman to go to prison for non-payment to maintenance. In, in and I'm sure it may have happened. It's not a gender-based rule. If a maintenance debtor is a woman and she does not pay her money, and she's in a position to pay it, she will also go to prison. So, but you don't know matter. if any woman has gone to prison for what I a man would. I don't know of any woman. I don't know of any woman um, that has been that has been sent to prison because of it. But it's it's basically it's take the gender out of it, and it's the debtor. It's the maintenance debtor. It's whoever owes the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what if, for instance, there might be an issue going on with, um, you know, co, co, you know, co-parenting um, and uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to pay uh, the maintenance, but all of a sudden then my ex-partner or ex-wife, mm. say for instance, and just to give a typical yeah. example, is, is um, not honouring um, co-parenting or, you know, not giving visitation or, you know, using the children as a, as a weapon or a pawn and, I'm, and I say, okay. I've had enough of this. I'm not paying the maintenance until this is sorted out. Would, would that be a typical no. reason? That, 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 that is a typical reason as to why it becomes a problem, for sure, yeah. But, like, strictly speaking, maintenance, a maintenance order is not directly related to any other order. It is under a different act for maintenance. Um, access is, is given under different legislation. So if there's a maintenance order and he and she don't get on anymore and there's an issue with access and they're, they're fighting or whatever the case is, that maintenance still needs to be paid. And it is used. It is used as a tool on both sides. It certainly is. Okay. But okay. 
maintenance is not for the parents. It is not uh, an issue for the, the payer of the maintenance. That is for the children. Okay. And that um, would, not, would that ever change, like, if a partner went on to, um, you know, um, get a really a better job or, you know, this is somebody, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. would they have to pay more or, or what? Um, so say say the maintenance that that we were talking about was paying for stewards a week and then they went off and they got a really good job. Um, the the applicant can go back in again and say, Listen, um, you know, they were only paying fifty euros a week. I know now that they're earning over a hundred thousand and I I think that it's only fair that they pay more. They pay more towards yeah. school fees or, or um the weekly amount. Um, it, it, one, funny, one of the big things that comes up is, is dental care and orthodontics and the cost of that. Um, so what we try and do is, like, again, we're a little bit limited as professionals as to what we should say the figure is. Do you know what I mean? We're going on what figures people are presenting to us. So myself and my opposite number would say, well, I have this much a week and I need this much a week. Um, so we're doing the maths ourselves. Mm. There's no guidelines for us except that the district courts can order 150 euros per week per child. But yeah, yeah. other than that, we've no guidelines. We've no... And, you know, with the with the way the cost of living and everything is going, um, you, you, have to, you have to balance everything. Another thing you have to balance is if you get maintenance that up to now could affect your social welfare payments because that's deemed as an income for you. Now, I think they're looking at changing that. So up to now, um, there's been situations where, you know, you'd wonder, would people um, be better off saying, do you know what, I don't want to be going into court looking for 30 or 40 euros a week off him. I say him because I'm just being generalist. Yeah, I'm using a typical example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to look for 40 euros a week because that's going to push me over my social welfare threshold. And I'm chasing him for that, whereas I may as well just keep the benefits that I have um, because that's balanced itself out. So how is it going to improve with, with, with regards to the talking about now about, you know, having more enforcement or getting the revenue to, to collect the, the maintenance or, um, you know, yeah. c- can, they, can they already freeze bank accounts or, you know, put in a, a, a lien on someone's bank account? You can, you can put, it, um, you can put a, a lien on somebody's wages. Um, you, there are reliefs already available um, under the, the current system, but I think what they're trying, let's say the relief at the minute would be is if I had a maintenance order made against me, I, the court can see that there's an attachment onto my earnings for that. So that would be deducted at source then. Um, does that happen? Earnings. It does happen. It does happen, yeah. I've had, I've had quite a few clients. And would that happen? Could that happen with social welfare payments as well? That's what they're trying to do now is to bring it in so that it's deducted at source of social, of social welfare payments. And do you think so it'll fly? Think, do you think it'll get that, that will happen? I actually think it would be a good idea because, to be fair, most of that are coming in as respondents to the maintenance thing. They're kind of like, friend, I'll just pay it. A lot of the time, people aren't being belligerent or they're not being difficult. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to the court office because a, a lot of money is paid through the court office. So let's, you have to go into the actual office and lodge their money and it, it, it's done through that system as opposed to being paid directly because then people say, I never got it. And then they're back in and people are fighting saying, I did pay it, I didn't pay it, I did pay it. So it's put it through the court system okay. Okay. for transparency okay. on okay. that. But if they take it at social welfare um, or on your wages, I do think that that will, that will, um, that will clear up the, the, the situation wholesale. Okay, I just have one final, a lot of text coming in, but just give you a typical example. I'm a father with two kids. I pay maintenance money every week and I also buy my kids clothes and toys as well as everything else. I am sick 
listening to this about men all of the time. My ex doesn't play ball with me uh, with getting to see my kids only when it suits her. I don't want to be ringing the guards as it will only upset my kids. All fathers, Neil, are not bad. You'd accept that? Of course you would. I'd accept that 100%. I, I really would. And, and, and is it used as, as, is access used as a tool? Um, um, as you know, to, to in a kind of a one-upmanship, it is it is used as as, as a tool for that. And it sounds like I'm, you know, promote looking for business. When I say, well, go into the court and get an access, you know, make an access application and get an order. Um, but it really is the most straightforward way to it because if somebody's gone in looking for a maintenance order and they've got that and you're paying that, and then they're saying, oh no, we can't come this weekend, we can't come that weekend, oh I've changed my mind, whatever it is. If there is, um, if there is a, an access order, then at least that's a really strong starting point. It's not a Garda issue, by the way, either. It's not a Garda issue if there's a breach of a family law order. And I know the guards always have to have the welfare of the children at their heart, but they can't intervene with a family law court order. Mm. It's not, unless there's a breach of it, and a breach of a maintenance order, a breach of a domestic violence order, then that is a Garda issue. Mm. Um, So the the guards get involved in a breach of a maintenance issue, but not, do not get involved in the access issue the, 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 the guards will get involved when there's a warrant issued for the rest for non-payment of maintenance okay. and that's the own that's where I was saying to you it moves from family court over to criminal court okay. but access um, is not that's not a guard issue and I would say to anyone if there is difficulty with access just make the application you can do it yourself it's you know what I mean you can you can go to the office okay. the guards in the office are superb okay. but okay. That's the easiest way around it, I would say. Okay, thank you so much, Vicky. I'm over time, but appreciate your uh, advice as always. Vicky Buckley with MV Legal. Your thoughts on that are welcome, considering the, uh, you know, the announcement yesterday that they're going to get a hell of a lot tougher on non-payments of maintenance. Text 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Okay, let's uh, take some time out to do some text on different topics this morning on the Rage Room. Uh, if you were to go in there, what would you do and what would you like to smash and why? Sean says, when Scottish women got married, they go into the garden and pick a bush. They would be there shrieking um, at the bush to let and vent all their frustrations. When things got on top of them, they could scream and shout at the bush. They could then return to the husband and the kids in a better frame of mind. Apparently that is almost like an equivalent Scottish tradition or an equivalent to a rage room. Pick a bush and go out and scream and roar at it. Um, on other ones then, uh, Michal Martin is only interested in himself like any other politician. The only thing he did was destroy the country all because he wanted to beat Taoiseach. He put that story out there to see what feedback it gets about wanting to be president. Michal wouldn't fund the train return to y'all, but allowed millions to be spent on a greenway to satisfy Eamon Ryan to keep Michal, what? In government. Sully and Clonmel, sorry, and Clonakilty said, I'd much prefer Reggie for president as opposed to Michal Martin. Um, And uh, there are other texts on that, which I'll come back to. I see a lot coming in then uh, on the unvetted. Um, Why were you talking about single men being an issue staying in accommodation centres? Why are all these people objecting? Joseph Pushka was married and had kids, and look what he did, murdering Ashling Murphy. I know people aren't all bad, but you really can't trust 
anybody, can you? Um, the truth of the matter is, if judges upheld the law in the last two years in Cork for people carrying knives, everyone in there now would be in there for the same offence, as in in jail. How can judges run a system that constantly that's constantly full? So for the person carrying a knife on the street, there is no deterrent. They know the jails are full. And we have a big problem with knife attacks on Leaside. Any news on the teenagers who were attacked on Sunday? No, I have no update on that. Glanmire story, I believe, wasn't it? Glanmire story, if I remember correctly. Um, um, knife slashing. But all, unfortunately, all too often, we're just hearing about more and more of them for whatever reason. And then one or two others here talking about figures. You must consider uh, on foreign aid that the government is the highest contributor in Europe of foreign aid. We will donate 1.9 billion euro of foreign aid this year instead of helping the people here, particularly Look at Christmas. It's shocking. My point being that if people are spending money on groceries, it shows the need and demand for food in this country to feed its people over the very lengthy spell at Christmas. What about those that couldn't afford it? It shows the amount of food poverty that's out there and certainly not the wealth of the country, but the complete opposite, I believe. And yet we send $1.9 billion overseas in foreign aid. On child maintenance, uh, are they going to bring in new laws to protect the fathers, I wonder? There are plenty of dads are paying and are not being let to see their kids. Simple as that. Parental alienation should be made a crime kneel. In some cases, unfortunately, even with the courts, all dads can do is withhold money. Kids are being weaponized, and a lot of dads' only option is to withhold the money. And just one, maybe two more on that one, if you don't mind, and then I'll, I'll come back to phone calls. I just wanted to comment on you talking and taking on the issue of child maintenance. It's absolutely accepted that there are a lot of men out there that don't face up to their responsibilities. However, even though they're in the minority, I think it's equally important to highlight the mothers out there who don't but should be paying maintenance. Society tends to excuse the female, Neil, in these circumstances. A lot of the time, the male just doesn't bother to chase these cases and takes on the sole responsibility financially themselves as a man. In the interest of balance and fairness, you should highlight that fathers have this plight as well. As a father, I feel privileged to bring up my daughter and provide for her and have given up on her mother's financial responsibilities. To all fathers out there who are almost scared to speak out, persevere. I salute you. Thank you says Daddy Cool. So thank you for that. I mean, um, again, for many of us who are not in that scenario, we would wonder why a father or indeed a mother would not want to contribute to their child's welfare, rearing and maintenance. Um, They are your children after all. But he's saying that it isn't always all of the men and in fact sometimes it's not even the men. It can be uh, the women. Now, are the mothers. I can get back to that because uh, I see a lot of texts on it in a few minutes' time, but I'm just conscious of time here and there was a topic I was dealing with this morning and that was the front page where um, the story that was coming out oh, as a typical example would be Ballin Robe, where they're saying it was proposed there would be 50 male asylum seekers. That's going to be shelved now into that um, uh, former, I think it's, it's a former hotel, and instead they're going to put in families, which would be Ukrainian families. Now, the new law comes into force now with regards to reducing the amount of welfare payments to Ukrainians. It'll go from the 230 a week down to uh, something very, very much lower than that, 39 euro odd, I suppose. And the whole idea there is to, um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe 
persuade less people to come into Ireland. I don't know. But we were talking about that. But the ongoing protest continues in Formoy. I think it's day 51 at Abbeville, which is a former guest house outside Formoy. I just want to check in there as well, Laura Boy. Laura, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So you're Thanks one of you're not at all. I mean, I'd like to stay in touch with stories. This is 51 days later. Um, are you in a tent? Well, currently, no. <laughs> I, I work full time. I'm on my coffee break. So what's with the I'd tent? Like is the but tent? We do have the tent. The tent is manned 24-7 for 51 days now. And it has never been unmanned. And there's never been a person on their own down there in all that time. So the tent is for somebody to stay and live or sleep in while they're doing their shift, if you like, is it? Yeah, well, no one, you know, we don't live or sleep in and nobody is there long enough to do that, you know, but it is just for shelter, obviously, against the elements, you know. Okay, and uh, for the last 51 days, you have been there every single day, right across Christmas, over the New Year's and everything like that. And um, what's Mm -hmm. the latest, what's the story with regards to this former guest house? What's going to happen next? So, um, I suppose we haven't had really any official, you know, contact from anyone since the 12th of December when we got the letter announcing that there would officially be, and the building, it was imminent, the use of the building for 56 men. And that incidentally, and interestingly, was the day after my husband and I had a, had a really good chat with the guardie. Um, just, you know, really, um, they were very supportive of our right to peaceful protest. And they actually told us themselves that they'd had good word that it was going to be women and children being moved into Abbeville. And, and they themselves, the following day, were shocked when that um, notification came from IPAS that no, the building was being used uh, and imminently would come into use for 56 men. So okay. the, the guardie, because we spoke to them, you know, they were saying, gosh, we, we were also under the belief it was going to be family. So it's just, you know, just interesting from the Ballon Robe context. Yes. No, so that's what I wanted friends. to ask you. There, there would appear to be a U-turn with regards to who they're going to put into that Mayo Hotel, that it now won't be males, it will be families. How does that make you feel? Well, you see, um, Neil, we also had many um, assurances about that all in the weeks coming up to the 12th of December, even with the owner or the representative of the owner himself, who I've had many conversations with, you know, the assurances were that it would be families and women. But we, we kind of, I guess maybe we were more suspicious and we, 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 we didn't, we would like to believe it, but we didn't believe it. And um, as it turns out, you know, that was not the case. Or maybe it had been briefly the case and they changed their mind. Okay, because you saw in black and white on paper that it was going to be 56 men. Yeah, absolutely. And would they be then undocumented men, is it? Or or what kind? Well, you see, I mean, we have to go on the government's own statistics on this, Neil, that, you know, okay, let's say 40. I think there's there's headlines saying 60% of the the males coming in are undocumented. So that's based on the government's own data. So we have to go on that, that the the majority of the 56, or at least well over half of them, could be undocumented. And we know that, you know, if you're coming from outside of Europe, it's very difficult to trace people, you know. And is that the worry and the fear of people as you don't know their backgrounds? So I think there's three main there's three main issues. Two of them begin with S. There's safety and there's services. And safety comes down to the safety of the people of the town, if if indeed these people are undocumented, which we know and we, we can't give them the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately. I live four doors up, so I, I have two daughters. I'm not prepared to do that. The safety of the men in the house is another issue. We're pursuing a lot of um, legal avenues about the complete, this wholly unsuitable 
a historic uh, protected structure, very old. It, um, you know, in terms of squashing 56 people into it is the men's safety, so the safety of the people in town, the safety of the people going in there, and then services is the other issue. I mean, you've probably heard from all before. I have, no, I, I mean, well. safety and services, I get that. However, I was also reading recently that in spite of the fact that people are unhappy with this proposal all over the country, um, men are still coming into the country on a weekly basis. And many of them, I think something like 450 arrived recently seeking international protection. Um, And there's nowhere to put them, so they're sleeping on the streets. Yeah, I know. And I mean, you know, at a human level, on all levels of humanity, there's something rotten about all of this. I mean, it just does not make sense. I've often said a child, my nieces and nephews would know to turn off the bath when it's overflowing. So something just doesn't add up here. And we're being prosecuted by the EU for, you know, bringing people in and not having housing. So it just, it's nothing makes sense. Why would you keep, um, why would you keep the bath um, tap on when it's overflowing? I can't understand this. You know, people have a right, and I know we were told we can't veto because it's our community, but it's our taxpayers' money that's going towards funding, you know, the people coming into our community and our services are on their knees. So we have to, we have to stand firm as citizens, you know, um, and, and try and protect our community. And that's why one of my models from the word go has been family and community first. And it does not mean that we don't have compassion for people in the rest of the world. I certainly do. And we all do. But we have to start putting our own immediate family and community first for once, because I think for too long, we've taken a back seat in our efforts, you know, to throw arms around the world, if you like. So if there was an announcement, not unlike the one in Ballinrobe, the hotel, which will now be used to, um, uh, instead of uh, international protection orders for men, instead it will be... um, families, if you got a letter saying, okay, now the ex-bed and breakfast, Abbeville, will take 56 individuals, but that they will be families and will be probably from uh, Ukraine. Would you would you stop the protest then and welcome them with open arms? Well, Neil, I'm telling you, we still have to do a lot of investigation into this because there's a very sinister um, other side to that story. And I don't know if, if you're aware of it, but but there are, there are indications that women and children are being moved from places where they are already integrated and embedded in an effort to fill up places where the community has taken a stand like we have in Formoy against um, single unvetted men. Or even married, I heard one of your comments there while I was listening, even married unvetted men or whatever the case may yeah, be, yeah. whether the background is dubious or they have a previous criminal record. Because we saw it um, very early on and it really struck me recently where Ukrainian women and children in Killarney were going to be moved to to a um, another centre, and they the community stood around them and wouldn't let them be moved because they said no, they're in school here. They've made yeah, but that's friends. that's that's somebody else's issue for another parish, if you like. I'm I'm asking you if you, the proposal was to take war families no, from wouldn't. Ukraine. I, I don't believe we would because we would want to know and be very assured that they just arrived in Dublin yesterday and are fleeing war and that they weren't removed from a community where they all were already integrated and embedded just so that the men destined for Abbeville could be foisted in on top of another community. So no, we would be very, very sceptical and dubious about accepting something like that. Okay, thanks for the update. We'll stay in touch, Laura. Thank you so much, Laura Boyle, on day 51 at uh, Abbeville, the former guest house in Formoy. Text 0868 Back after the break. Call Neil now. 
Short email in, uh, saw it yesterday, got off the air. Anyone out there? Is anyone, I wonder, is there anyone talking about the attempted robbery and break in at Meadow Park last week? Uh, it seems as if it was a case of mistaken identity. A family in Meadow Park had their windows blown in at 20 minutes to 7 in the morning last Wednesday morning. There were four of them. They stood in the front garden of the house and shot in the windows of the living room with steel pellet guns. You can't even be safe in your own home now. I understand there may not be a lot of talk about it because people are living in fear. A case of mistaken identity. Four characters in the front garden and they shoot the windows out in the living room with steel pellet gun. With steel from a pellet gun, I guess. Um, uh, Is that some sort of retribution or revenge or some warning or is it actually an attempted robbery and a break-in? Um, took a look at that then and found on the Ballyvalan notice board. Anyone commenting on the attempted attack or robbery that got the wrong house in Meadow Park? There seems to be no coverage about uh, this just because it was intended for a certain group and they got the wrong house and the wrong people and the community are afraid to mention it. Not one councillor is willing to do anything to protect the people here whose uh, lives are at risk. Four mass men then entered a house down the avenue, got the wrong house. For those who are saying, why am I staying anonymous? It's clear I don't want that scum turning on me next. Imagine living under those kind of circumstances. Um, I, can, I can tell you that we did contact uh, Garda Press saying that we heard of reports of an attempted robbery and attack and shooting in Ballyville on 22 uh, 6 in the morning on Wednesday the 3rd of January. You have to be very specific about times and locations with Garda Press and we asked them could they confirm anything. They said nothing on the system that refers to your query at this time. So nothing was logged. I don't know, did anybody even call on Garda Shikona on the matter? Perhaps you can enlighten me if maybe somebody did. Text 0868104106. Other text then on certainly on maintenance. I was talking about that this morning. While I believe that all men should be responsible for their children, if the plan is to bring the full weight of the state to bear down on child support dodging daddies, surely the state should require DNA tests to be carried out. It is a sad reality that in the United States, as much as 40% of parental DNA tests return with results proving that the father is not, in fact, the father in the first place, says Richie. Well, that's an interesting one, perhaps for another day. Listening to your show earlier, so often men walk away when things get difficult. My daughter recently had a baby. The dad was told by his own family, stay away from the baby, stay away from the baby's mum or leave the family home. My daughter worked for years and now has no choice but to give up work to raise their baby. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Why is it so easy for dads to walk away? I've no idea why a family would say that and wouldn't want to embrace the child as being uh, an addition to their family and be very excited about it. I, I just don't know why that would be. Um, I don't know the ages of, of your daughter or indeed the dad. Uh, his partner. I don't know how long they were in a relationship or anything about it, but it's all so sad. Child maintenance should be taken at source where a baby is born and the parents aren't together. At least women will get the financial help 
rather than getting nothing more than a pain in the head for dealing with the so-called dad. It's about time, Neil, that the fathers were made responsible for the children. It's very easy for men to just walk away and leave the responsibility solely on the mum. How many children have fathers in this country that never contributed a penny towards their upkeep? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. But you also have to ask the, ask the question, how many children have fathers in this country where the relationship has broken down and they do contribute to the child's welfare, maintenance and rearing? As a father and a lone parent, I'm tired of the lazy stereotype perpetuated by these kinds of stories. There are plenty of poor mothers out there. When are we going to hear a show placing decent men front and centre who were prevented from being the fathers they wanted to be, who were totally beaten down by malicious exes who used the inherent bias of the family courts, where women who use their children as weapons against the children's fathers. There are countless men out there who are prevented from being the fathers they could be. I can tell you I battled and won, but it was at great personal cost. I never had time for men who abandoned their responsibilities, but having spent seven years in the system, I can understand now why so many men actually give up. I see there's no coverage at all, Neil, from you regarding men like myself who fight tooth and nail to see their sons, but a toxic ex has the judge at her fingertips. Female judges, of course. Five years they've kept me from him, my son. You should cover the stories of the fighting fathers. Um, I don't think I've been found lacking in that in the past, and I'm certainly not lacking of it this time. I know it's very difficult to put people on air on this topic because a lot of the time the texts that I have also involve active court cases. So that makes it rather preclusive. Not all dads who are absent walk away. Some, you know, are pushed away and still get the bad name in spite of it. But somebody else suggests very quickly, a proper dad would choose his child over anyone else. And there's reams more like that, which we will come back to. So do get involved in the conversation. Text 0868-104-106. Calls on the way. Courts, good times. Call Neil now. 0818-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Um, from yesterday's programme, we were talking about the late, great Con O'Leary, Con the robber. Um, and uh, just two or three texts, we did a lot of them yesterday. Uh, the clock from the North Infirmary is in Con's shop and it's still in perfect working order. Well, I'm glad to hear that and it does belong there and I'm glad it's still ticking. Um, Davy Mack died in 2011, RIP, and in 2014, they named a new local road in his good name. Um, you were saying on air that 20 years has to pass before something like that can happen. But in Davy Mack case, 20 years hadn't passed, unless maybe it was the fact that it was a new road. Just food for thought. Thank you for that text. That's because uh, people want an area of the north side renamed um, Cons Hill. People know it as Cons Hill anyway. No, I, I don't I don't think I dreamt it. I, I do think I read it somewhere the weekend, that there is some kind of law that you have to be 20 years past before you can be honoured with something like that. I'm, I'm assuming I didn't dream it. And it is fact, but uh, maybe it was because the road for Davy Mac was a new one. I don't know. People call it Cons Hill anyway. Uh, I can remember when my wife was expecting her second child. She was visiting her mother's home in Mount Nebo and the baby was due. Con came to the rescue and brought my wife, Christine O'Shea, to Ernville Hospital in his own car. And he quipped at the time, Mother of God, don't have the baby in the car. Not long after that, Deirdre was born. She is now Deirdre Toomey from Ovens. That's Con, the Good Samaritan, 
53 years ago. And people loved our tribute to the late, great Con O'Leary yesterday. And thank you for being part of it. Uh, he loved his city and he loved Cork, as we all do. I got up on the bike again on Saturday. It's the first time I was up on it since I broke my arm. And n- not that anybody cares about that, but it was nice to be out and about again. It was a cold day on Saturday, but very sunny. And I just love cycling uh, around the city and the suburbs and taking myself off for a bit of a scove for a couple of hours. And I, I did just that. I so enjoy it. I always meet wonderful people on my travels. Um, and sadly, though, uh, I did. And you can see everything on a bike, much more so than a motor car. You can literally stop anywhere you want. And I have to say, um, in, in spite of maybe the best efforts in the world, Patrick Street uh, needs help, lads. It's, to me, it's just dying on its feet when you compare it to the reju- rejuvenation of, say, for instance, McCurtain Street, which is a mind-blower because it was up there as well on Saturday. The range and styles of businesses on McCurtain Street is absolutely fantastic. You can get everything and anything. Now, I know that the footpaths have got ridiculously wide and what have you, but all of the businesses and the assortment of businesses on McCurtain Street, the Victorian Quarter, is just amazing. Oliver Blunga Street is, is terrific um, uh, and maybe even to a lesser extent Grand Parade ain't doing so bad Washington Street needs an awful lot of love and attention Barrack Street does North Main Street South Main Street don't even talk to me and of course um, Shandon Street areas of that but Patrick Street my God almighty it's, it's phone shops it's vape shops it's charity shops there are shops open for business don't get me wrong but all too often there are buildings there that are just either vacant uh, for rent or for sale and even at two o'clock in the afternoon sadly there were still people sleeping in um, sleeping bags in doorways of the vacant and closed up shops on Patrick Street and indeed on the South Mall Um, and also over at the Peace Park where it's very, very cold. And I've noticed that some of those sleeping bags are full-body sleeping bags. You literally zip yourself into it entirely, head and all. Poor misfortunes inside the entire sleeping bag at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. With that in mind, I asked Claire to update on the amount of Cork City closures since the pandemic. This was originally done by Cork Bio. So up to 2022. Debenham, this is um, in the city centre. Debenham's, Carphone Warehouse, Gap, Topshop, Oasis, Unida, Lifestyle Sports, uh, Blackpool and Melancholic, Porters, Bills and Farnry, Finn's Corner, O'Connell's uh, Cafe, famous for the hot chocolates, Bresnan's and Tim O'Sullivan's Butchers, the El Door Artisan Bakery, Cost Bakery, Cup, Cup, uh, Cupcake Cottage, Bake, uh, Bracken's Bakery, Sliced, Preachers, Wow Burger, uh, The Silly Goose, uh, Captain America's, Ziggy's, Larry Tompkins, Feed Your Senses, Grand Central, Ali's Kitchen, Tiki Poke, uh, The Fishwife, Tandoori Nights, Cafe Idaho, some of these did reopen subsequently under new names, The Bridge, Drake's Bistro, Vegan KO, West Cork Burger, Shake, uh, Shack Donuts, Gloria Jeans, Union Grind. 2023, Bars and Restaurant, Ayers, Brew Dog, Nano's Pub in Douglas Street, new, nub, new pub there now called The Hideout, Soho, reopened recently under new management called 77. Um, special mention for the Wild Goose and Mallow, Pilgrims and Ross Carberry, Dylan's Corner and Skibbereen, but shops in the city, Records and Relics, this is 2023, uh, Twilight News, Super Value Merchants Key, Con's, Con Murphy's, Household Linens, Kilgrew Cycle Centre, John O'Flynn and Sons, The Butchers on Marlborough Street, 
uh, Argos, Maham Point and Blackpool, GameStop with shops in Blackpool, Douglas, Wilton, Patrick Street, Mallow and Middleton. And that is just off the top of our heads. I'm sure we've missed a lot. I do know that Electric is up for sale and indeed the Oyster is up looking for new tenants to rent. Uh, I don't want to be the merchant of doom and gloom. I want to be more positive of it all. But that is a reality. And one that I didn't mention, of course was the announcement over the weekend that after 60 years, the Tung Sing restaurant on Patrick Street, um, famous for serving Corkonians with their favourite Chinese dishes, dishes, have also decided with great sadness that they must also uh, close their doors. Reason? Increasing cost and operating expenses and all the go with it. So Saturday the 6th of January just last was the last day for the Tung Sing. Food was very good there, um, but what always stole the show for me was a window seat of the Tung Sing because the view out onto Patrick Street from the Tung Sing restaurant must have been the best view from a height um, in the entire city and it was very, very sad. So, uh, Ke- uh, Kevin Hurley is the, uh, is the president of the CBA, joins me by phone, uh, by WhatsApp. Kevin, good morning. What do you... What do you uh, oh, there you are. I think you're, you're back again. Kevin, can you hear me? Hi, Dean. Uh, I'm sorry. Hi, hi Dean. I can't. How are you? I, I, I'm sorry to read out that list and indeed to update it. Does it alarm you? Um, no, it doesn't, Neil. I'm I'm working in Cork City for the last 23 years um, and it is a fact of life. That's all I would say. It is unfortunate that businesses close. Now, some of the businesses that you called out there were guys retiring Moving on, the likes of Con Murphy, the likes of the Butchers, O'Flynn's, etc. Um, but it is a fact of life. But what I would say to you, Neil, is that the cost of doing business in Cork, uh, in Ireland, is just gone through the roof. On, on that street, is it? Are we talking about doing business on Patrick Street now? Okay, well, if you're talking about Patrick Street, okay, you, one of the businesses you called out there, for example, was... Uh, Quills closed, okay? You've now got Mango moved in there. You've got the likes of Easton's that closed and moved. And you've got another shop that's gone in there. So, to be fair, as I said to you, it's a fact of life that businesses close, people retire, people move on. It's very, very sad that Tung Sing closed uh, at the weekend. Uh, one of the Lee's family is my sister-in-law, Colette. Oh, right. So, yeah. Yeah, she's married to my, my late brother, Paul. Um, so it is. It is very, very sad that that happened. But um, <clears throat> I would think that uh, Patrick Street is. I would disagree with what you're saying. Patrick Street is really changing. Um, you know, you've got Elvery's that's going to open in April. You've got uh, Merchants Key, hopefully that will be revamped. You've got the Queensall Castle that's going to be revamped at the other end of the street. So uh, I'd be hoping the Savoy, the Savoy, the Savoy, the Savoy, the Savoy, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Have you had a look at that recently? Have you look at a couple yeah, of the cool. banks that used to be um, uh, on Patrick Street that are now completely boarded up? I don't know were they AIBs or Ulster Bank. Beautiful, beautiful, very ornate buildings in a shocking condition. Agreed, Neil. Yeah, and look, it's the same in in every city across Europe. Um, You know, I've been in France there quite recently and I was shocked to see some of the downtown areas. I was in Edinburgh last summer 
and it was just uh, it was decimated as well. Oh you know? no, yeah, listen, I, I, I f- forgive me now, but I was also in Edinburgh last year, and I was on the places like the Golden Mile, and I was blown away that um, all of the businesses were thriving. I have to say, unless I was in a different part of Edinburgh to you, it was booming. And can I add into the mix as well? I was recently down in Killarney, and the main shopping streets in Killarney would put us to shame, Kevin. I would agree with you, Neil, to a certain extent. Clarney is that they, they do a fantastic job down there. I have to say they really do. Um, but look, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not the owner of the city. I'm just representing uh, the business working and opening and, and closing in the city centre. And I would say that we are kind of going through a transition at the moment. But um, it, like, if you look at Oliver Plunkett Street now versus say 2011. And I have a business on Oliver Plunkett Street. It was forty percent empty, um, in around okay. in the middle of the session. Well, let's let's, let's have a look at that because Oliver like Plunkett Street it's it's what percentage now occupancy? I would think it's around between. I'm not sure the latest figures, but it's between ninety two and ninety six percent. That is incredible, before. and it shows actually on Oliver Plunkett Street. You can feel the vibe, but on Patrick Street, there ain't no vibe. Is there a difference in rates between the two streets? There is Neil, unfortunately, um, and I was saying to Kevin, your researcher earlier on, I have a business on Patrick Street, I have a business on Oliver Plunkett Street, and I'm paying double the rates on Patrick Street compared to what I'm paying on Oliver Plunkett Street. Why? And that is just crazy. Why? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Is it to do with the fact that it's the main shopping street versus the second main shopping street? I'm not really sure. You'd have to ask council for that. But look, we, we just take that on the chin. We put it into our business model, our business plan every year, how much rates we okay. have to pay. So let me just ask that. So the rates are, say the rates are double. Does that also yes. mean that to rent a property on Patrick Street would be per square footage much more expensive than, say, um, an Oliver Plunkett Street or a Grand Parade or a McCurtain Street or a Washington Street, would it? I I would imagine that it's probably... It wouldn't be double. Certainly wouldn't be double, but it might be 20% more expensive. Um, And I've no doubt that uh, the Lee family were probably paying massive rates um, for Tung Sing on Patrick Street. And perhaps that was one of the reasons that they decided to close as well. But it's not just the rates and the rent. It is the electricity costs, the wage costs were absolutely getting hammered um, by 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 the fact that, and I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but the minimum wage went from 11.30 to 12.70. And if you've got, you know, 20, 25 people working for you, it's a, it's a lot of uh, chunk of change at the end of the week to, to come out of your bottom line to pay that extra wages. Naturally nourished to have two locations and do superb food, two great offerings, one on Penrose Dock in the city, the other in Citygate in Mahan, recently announced that it breaks their heart, they're left with no choice but to announce a price increase across their menus. They have tried as best they can to keep it under control. Unfortunately, they say their margins are half what they used to be. It's no longer sustainable for us to serve our products of the same consistency and high quality. Inflation, rates, VAT increases, staff costs, including the statutory sick pay they have to pay staff, energy costs and soaring food costs have put their costs up 40% and they can no longer absorb it. Is that is that a typical example, would you think? That is a perfect example, and I know the owners of the, those uh, restaurants, uh, Kevin and Yvonne, 
and um, I would be in the exact same situation. Our costs have absolutely gone through the roof and you can ask any business owner on Oliver Plunkett Street, Patrick Street or any street throughout the city, costs have gone absolutely through the roof and we are we're fighting it's 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 kind of like uh, do you remember when you were a kid and you were making a sandcastle on the on the beach yeah tides and then, you know, in. you're trying to try, the tides coming in that's exactly what i would compare it to now um and we are just fighting the fight and you know we'll continue to fight the fight but I've, we've had to increase our prices as well um you know inflation has gone through the roof it's a fact of life um but we're, we're we've just we've got a train keep inflation going is dropping now i think yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah, utilities are coming not. down, energy costs are coming down, but rates are. So, what, what do you what do you get for your rates? Um, well, I suppose you're paying for the lights of lights in the street, the guy sweeping the the, the thing outside the door. Mm. Uh, uh, you've got the the guardie, etc. You've got all of that kind of stuff. But personally speaking, I don't think we're getting very good value for money for our rates. And I think most businesses would, would say the same. And the thing about Cork as well, Neil, is that you've got a huge amount of indigenous local people, not necessarily high street, um, you know, okay. Brilliant international point. brands. Brilliant a lot of, uh, yeah, you've got a lot of okay. local people. And, you know, like my dad started our business back in 1980 uh, out in our store in Bishopstown. You know, we've now expanded um, uh, but we're still a local business. And, and on that note, we are opening a new store in on the North Main Street in, in the end of February. And that just shows how much... Well, I thank you for your vote of confidence in the North Main Street. But what are we going to do with regards to Patrick Street? Because there would appear to be in the future zero hope for any small business or family business to be able to open or survive on Patrick Street. And we will have the big multinationals that are kind of, OK, they may may be good fashion items to buy or perfume or whatever in yourself, but rather soulless for a city centre, wouldn't you think? I'd beg to differ on that, Neil, because I, I don't want to be telling you my facts and figures, but my store on Patrick Street is, was up 11% last week versus the same week last year. And the That's store on Oliver Plunk Street was back 3%. Okay? okay. So just put, put that in perspective. It's not all doom and gloom. Yes, it is. Difficult, but if they're closed businesses, if they're all closed, the ones I'm describing to you, and all of the vacant businesses that I've told you, and ones that are for rent on Patrick Street, it's because people can't afford the rent or the rates. So if they were to reduce them, Patrick Street would have 100% occupancy, wouldn't it? Oh, I would agree, Neil. I think it's a fabulous idea. I think you should run for council. No, no, I'm not saying that. I don't want to, I couldn't, I couldn't handle <laughs> the frustrations of that, but I'm just saying, wouldn't that fix it? If, if there was, like, that they saw that there was an urgency needed, reduced the rates, gave people a dig out, and you'd have more people wanting to firstly open businesses and more people living over the businesses. I was walking down around I, uh, Cook Street yesterday and I was yeah. walking around, um, you know, Marlborough Street and then I walked around Princess Street. I was looking at all over, over all of the business. By and large, all of the second and third and fourth floors, they're all empty. They're vacant. There's nothing happening in them. I couldn't agree with you more, Neil. And Paul Gallagher, who uh, runs Skechers, made a really good point recently on a podcast that the fire officer needs to, um, you know, lacks small bit on the regulations in order to get people living over the shop. If you go to the likes of Nice, Toulouse, any of those cities across France or even across the UK, you've got people living over the shop everywhere. And Ireland is great to talk about, oh, let's get people living over the shop, but they can't do it because of the fire regulations. 
So, if it, you know, we're not saying to make it dangerous for people to live over the shops, but it's certainly something that needs to be looked at. You know, if you take, for example, um, the store uh, that has a vape shop there, um, I can't think of it, Hale on Patrick Street, it's across from my store. There's three floors above that. They're all derelict. I mean, like you could That's put insane. three apartments over that. It's insane. Fantastic. It's you know? insane that nobody imagine, seems to have the urgency. Like, yeah, I agree. I agree. Imagine like if you, you know, waking up in the morning and, and being on Patrick Street, going out to work, you know, everyone would love, you know, I, I, I think anyone would love that anyway, you know. Oh, without a doubt, considering that there are people are crying out for summer to live and apartments to live in. And it would be a very vibrant city centre if that were to be the case. Listen, Kevin, thank you for taking the call as always. If you don't mind, I'm going to talk no to Sheila, who worked in the Tongue Sing for a number of years. All right. Okay, thanks, Neil. Take care. Cheers. Kevin Hurley from Hurley He's Centrist. Morning, Sheila. Thank you so much for holding. How are you? I'm great. No, you I worked. Heard, uh, the Golden I Girls. One, the, one of the Golden yeah. Girls worked yeah. in the Tongue Sing. I never knew it. Didn't you? No. <laughs> One knee, no, there's a knock at my door. I'll talk to you then. All right. You're, go- you're, going, you're going to answer Come the in. door. Okay, go and answer the door because I need to take an ad break and I need to get myself a new pair of headphones as well. I think my headphones are about 25 years old. They're dying. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Back to the phone lines. i just see if uh, Sheila's back from the door. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Who was at the door, my dear? A neighbour. All right, she's popping in for a cup of tea, is it? Or what's the story? <laughs> Asking. No, he was, he was going swimming or something. <laughs> and I just said, I'm on the radio. He said, I'll hear it in the car. Oh, lovely. So good morning to him. Hope he enjoys his swim. <laughs> you worked yeah. in the Tongue Sing from 1981 to 1998. Is that right? I did. Me and my daughter was 10. When I went into Tong Sing, oh, and I was there on Columbus, and um, she put me off. Then when I went to 65. You stopped at 65? I was about 17, yeah. Right, okay. Okay, 17, 17 years. years. And what what did you do when you worked in the Tong Sing? Where were you there? A washer up. <laughs> oh, my God, that's got to be the hardest job. But I was beautiful. I loved every moment of it. What did you love about it, working in the tongue sing? I loved because you'd meet people. When I'm finished at the sink, I'd go out on the floor by the bar and I'd be talking to this one coming in and that one coming in. And, <laughs> and would you, you know, know, would you know a lot of the customers it. then? You would, the regulars? I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was I it, did. And was I it did. always busy? It was always and you know what I loved about Mrs. Lee? She was very, very good to me. You know, the the, corporate, the, the county council that put up the tree by Mrs. Lee's in Patrick Street at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Well, she'd bring all that, about nine of them, in every day while they're at walking with the Christmas tree and giving their lunch. Oh, way. Uh, see, we don't hear those fabulous um, stories. Yeah. Oh, God, she was very good. But she's a lovely lady. I often saw she don't go up much now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, listen, I mean, hasn't it... I often sat at the window there having a plate of Chinese food. And yeah. it was the most beautiful view, wasn't it? The sweep oh, of Patrick beautiful. Street. And did, yeah. you, did you enjoy the food yourself there? Oh, we did. 
Buyurun. Bir kutu ekmek falan ekleyin. Ne yapıyorsunuz? Spare ribs, is it, or the duck? Spare ribs were the best I like. <laughs> when they were just done. <laughs> and were you sad when you heard that after 60 years they closed oh at the weekend? Oh my uh, if I had my youth back again, <laughs> and if she was opened, I'd go back in there. You loved every I minute. I loved every minute of it. You feel sorry for the because family she because was one ice woman. Yeah, because it all had to do with the increasing costs and the expenses and trying to run a business. It's heartbreaking to yeah. have to close after sixty years trading, isn't uh, it? It is. Sad news. It is like sad. But didn't that she have? Two more, haven't you? One in Ballincollig and one in Blarney. Didn't know that. I didn't know that. But I, I'm still in all. I know oh, they may yeah. have other branches, but the tongue sing on Patrick Street. We had a Christmas party there at Red FM some years ago, and it was the best night. It was great to be in the yeah. city, great to be up there, and plates and plates of Chinese food of all different varieties oh, were coming that's out. Right. It was like a yeah. it was like a conveyor belt of food. You know the way you can serve Chinese dishes yeah. and everybody digs in. It was fabulous. And if you saw anything wrong, like, just tell the waitress and the waitress and you get a beautiful one then. I know, I know. You know, she was very, very good to customers. Very sad. And you're keeping well yourself, I hope, are you, Sheila? I'm grand, thank God, I'm grand. I'll be 85 now. And are you still going out with the Golden Girls for the burger and high burger in Wilton? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we there is two, two of them died now, so uh, we just meet out in Wilton just for a chat. Yeah, just stay in touch. Yeah, that's it. Stay in touch. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And you had a good Christmas, I hope, did you, Sheila? Oh, I did. Thank God I did. All the grandchildren, <laughs> great grandchildren. It's all about the children at Christmas time, isn't it? Well, listen, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Congratulations on your son got engaged. Well, you're so kind to remember early. that, Luke and Danielle. Thank you so much. Fair play. You never know. Yeah. There might be a few Thanks. grandchildren at some stage down the line, Sheila. What do you think? <laughs> huh? You would, oh, I'd say so. Right, and you'd have to save up now for the wedding. <laughs> Don't be talking to me about the wedding. <laughs> listen, lovely chatting with you. Mind yourself, Sheila. Okay, thanks, me. All the best, girl. Take care. Take Bye. care. Back after 11, guys. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Very sad when you hear of another good business gone, you know, and the tongue sing 60 years in business. So hands up. I don't think anybody will be able to put their hand up and say that they never ate in the tongue sing at some stage. I mean, I can go back to certainly the back end of the of the 70s. Uh, I couldn't believe I was reading this, Neil. Such beautiful food and friendly stuff. I was 12 on my confirmation day when they gave me a red envelope with a one-punt coin in it. They called it lucky money. I still have it nearly 30 years on. I'm so sorry for all of the staff. Thank you all for the wonderful memories. Here's my 30 years lucky money from the Tong Sing. I still have it and there it is. It's got Chinese emblem and it's in Chinese red and a little pound coin in there as well. A punt coin which you've kept all of those years. 
30 years later. Uh, very sad. We had some great nights there. I remember when it opened, I was doing holiday work in Duns across the road. Sad to see it closing after all these years. Um, other people suggesting there are other locations for the Tung Sing, including the Marina Market, um, Hanley's on the Kinsale Road, Hanley's Garden Centre, and I think somebody mentioned another couple of locations as well. But anyway, I worked in Cork for a few years, but this restaurant was the one of the first, uh, my first brought by Cork friends when I arrived first. It's such a pity. That's very sad news, Neil. When I was doing nights in the Mercy Hospital, we would get takeaways there at the weekend. Lovely food always. It was such a tradition for so many people and a sad loss to Cork. This is sad. Everything is changing. Everything is shutting down. Neil, I gotta tell you, Cork City has become one big bicycle lane. Thanks to Cork City Council, they should be fired as soon as possible. Um, There'll be nothing left on Patrick Street soon. They had the best chicken curry and wings I ever tasted. Um, Somebody else says I had my first taste of Blue Nun there. Actually my first taste of wine which happened to be, says he, Blue Nun. There'll be nothing left in town soon. Very sad but I reckon it won't be the end of closures on Patrick Street. There will be more to come. So that's just a selection regarding the Tung Sing and it is very sad. I, I don't know whether there had been a downfall in footfall or was it all to do with expenses and rates and cost of running the business and food costs and, and stuff like that. And I only mention that because there's an awful lot of food offerings now in Cork and more and more coming. Um, and, you know, of all different varieties. I'm just, I just can't help but wonder if there's enough business for all of the restaurants and the takeaways to actually all survive. You know, you could, you could talk about the amount of, of Chinese. I, I, I mentioned that just as a by the way, text 0868104106 because the Baldy Barber announced at the weekend as well. I know, it's coming at us from all sides, isn't it, lads? But he announced at the weekend um, that he is putting the shop up for sale in the coming days. And he's got a lot, lot of different reasons. I'm quite sure it's VAT, and it's also the cost of running a business, but also having to compete with more and more barbers, not unlike more and more restaurants. More and more barbers, unfortunately, a fair proportion of them operating in the black market, not paying their tax and not paying all of the things that proper bricks and mortar businesses should do. But either way, it is sad. And the Baldy Barber, Mick Moriarty, joins me by phone. Mick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Sad, sad to hear what seems to be inevitable news, is it? Yeah, yeah. I was actually going in the door of the Tongue Sing on Friday at half past six. When ah, I you weren't, were you? I was. I was. I was waiting to collect Mary from the, the train and her friends were in Dublin for a day. And uh, I started going there for myself. I'd been there for a couple of months and one of my staff, she knew where I was going. And she says, here you are. Enjoy your last meal there. So, and they, they told me and say that to a closing. And how do you feel about that? Oh, it was a great spot. How do you feel about that? And it's, uh, about the tongue swing? Yeah. I knew Mrs. Lee and her husband. Uh, I remember her husband, Tony, being killed. And Ivan, uh, the, the manager, he taught me how to use the chopsticks. <laughs> and then there was George, another lad. He was a, another lad that worked there. He was a third in command. And uh, he was a great man to have his point to morph. He's a great character. This is great signs after going over to Swan and Cygnus on a Monday night. We go over there. That's going back, to... Mick. That's going back. That's going back. That is going back. We great times. But I'm just wondering, and I include myself in this, uh, I, I ate in the Tung Sing many, many times, but I have to say it's been uh, many years since. It must be seven or eight years since I was in there, and the only reason I was was for the Red FM Christmas party. So is it a case of use it or lose it? Well, I would say it was in in, in the Tongsing situation. I say it was the cost 
the higher cost of rates, insurance, uh, everything. I, th- I think they had the footfall still, but the, the, the rates, everything's like so expensive. Wages have gone up, everything's gone crazy. And uh, buying products now as well for, for, for since, since COVID. I, I don't know how the people and do. the quality. Uh, you see, if you're doing good quality and, and as well, you must keep quality. It's a I big know. difference, Neil. Yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to buy good and sell good. No, I'll, I'll read no, out some more texts on it. Keep them coming, lads. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. But I, I hate the news of, of of your deciding to sell because when I was a small little boy in short pants. My father and my grandfather from Blackpool, you remember, Paddy English, I'd sit up on your your dad's chair with a piece of wood across the arm supports and he'd cut my hair on Merchant's Quay. That's right, and he would look out when he was a young fella as well, on the Saturday morning. (laughs) He used to be running around the place. He's a hard man because he's a man now, of course. Yeah, and and, and I suppose... As they grow up, and as we all grow up, we we sadly I don't I don't get my hair cut by the bald one anymore. I, I stay closer to the parish of Douglas. Do you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. am I am oh, I, yeah. I mean, part, am I part of the problem? No way there would be like a long go. Like you I mean I could walk on Balmer traffic. Need it was great. I would Balmer traffic. I used to have thirty forty haircuts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I would have sixty haircuts Friday and Saturday with my staff. Minimum, minimum. 60 haircuts Friday, Saturday, and it was great. But I came in. What I took in this Christmas, I was two and a half thousand down. What I took in before uh, COVID at 14 euro haircut. So I came in one o'clock now, most days until half past four, I wouldn't get four haircuts in. Now, in saying that, that pool has changed completely. They have taken the post office, our credit union has gone next door, Bank of Ireland has gone next door. Halley's Bar is closed down. The Bridge Inn is closed down. You have Thomas Denny, the fishman. He is contemplating of selling as well. God, and he was there I mean, since I was a child wandering around Madden's buildings. He, right. was, he was there when Manley's were there doing the, har- doing the saddles and the harnesses. Right. John, Paul, John Paul is there. The house is all renovated. There's a young couple living inside there now. But like, there's nothing that's happened in Blackpool in, in, in what they call it the last couple of years. And when you were doing and the, the 40 a day and the 60 on the Friday and the Saturday, how long ago was that? Oh, it was only about eight or nine years ago. Is that all? And what changed? Eight, eight or nine what, years what changed? Uh, I, I suppose traffic would be a big thing. Parking, people don't want to pay two, two euro for a parking spot or two fifty. Uh, if they got caught, they wouldn't come back after being paid a fine. And that was that was one thing. But like twenty three years ago, they had fifteen barber shops. Uh, now over one hundred and fifty. And if you drive around the city, I know I'd be looking out and I'd say, "Oh my God, another shop open, another shop open, another shop open." I was talking to a father last week. His son is opening up a, a barber shop, and I said, "Is he paying big rent?" Oh yeah, he says four hundred and twenty euro a week. He said, what would you advise me to do? I said, go up to the revenue. What? I said, go up to the revenue, find out what he's entitled to do. Because I said, if you go to an accountant, and I've nothing against accountants, but if you go to the accountant with a problem, it's going to cost you money. But if you go to the revenue, anyone open a barbershop, any business, they will tell you exactly what you must do or not do. So then I explained to him about the threshold for VAT, and he says, ah, come on now, Mickey. He says, don't tell me there's that in the haircut. So there you are. Yeah. I was talking to Joe Duffy a few weeks ago before yeah. Christmas. And Joe Duffy never knew that there was that in the haircut. Yeah, it's not a luxury item, a haircut, for God's sake. No, it, it was a luxury. It was a luxury in the 80s, Neil. When I did up my shop in 1981, 
it was 23% of that. And I never knew it for two and a half years. And in 1984, I had to close down my ladies' section. Yeah. And at 80 pence a haircut, I was paying 23% VAT. Yeah. yeah. I, be charged, I should have been charging £1.20 at a time. But why are you, you charging know? 14 or, or say, €16 euro a haircut when, when others are paying anything? <laughs> I, I don't know what I pay. It's, it's certainly much. Yeah. Yeah, the average is €23. Euro. And, as high, as average, tw- and oh, as high as 27 Why are you cheaper? Oh, yes. Like, surely... You should increase the prices. Well, I've, I've always worked on that, on that matter. My father before me as well. And I have a lot of regular customers. I have two, two customers who are 80 years of age. Coming to, over 80 years coming to the shop. Michael O'Brien from Bellapihan originally lived in Blackpool and TV Crowley in Blarney with the mechanic. Those guys are coming in over 80 years. And, and they're very, very loyal. Now, last Saturday, uh, I was talking to a few customers and they said, but why don't you make it 20 euro? I said, no. I said, I don't want to be charging because that 20 euro means there's more VAT. Like last week, only we were, we were doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Close on Monday and my returns and I showed 235 euro VAT for the week. And that's down 40%. Mm-hmm. So if I was up, I'd be paying over 400 a week uh, VAT. And you're getting nothing back for the deal. Yeah, I, you know that's fighting City Hall that one make isn't it what, what like, well, right, right, go on yeah no Stop Sarah Horgan in the Echo coach you was saying um, that there was significant loss in the wake of Covid why would that have been oh yeah a lot of people cutting their own hair a lot of people cutting their own and I, and I look and I see guys who had beautiful heads here might be per, a, a customer of mine now Neil right Guys, who was, I, I, I know one particular guy who was going to Icoot outside in Baron College and produced to Icoot. He rang me yesterday and here when he heard I was closing down to wish me all the best. And this guy was going to be the most beautiful haircut I've ever seen. And he got a number two all over. And his hair is only coming back now. And that's three years later. He broke the grain of his hair completely. And I said to him, I said, You can't get your hair back to where it was? No, he said. Because he was doing it at home, is it? No, no, he did it at home for yeah, He's yeah. out trying to get his eye coat to try and sort out But that's hair. what happened in and COVID, is that people were cutting their own hair and just got used to doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. So you had that, you've competing barbers who... Are there are there ones then of open... Yeah. Are, there, are, there, are there those operating under the radar as well? Oh, stop, big time, big time. I would safely say there is about 75 people in our business cutting at home every week. Now this is this is cutting men's hair, or is it? Are doing doing styles yeah, oh yeah, for women and ladies and ladies and ladies. Our ladies is a big thing. Ladies is a very big thing all your life. In, in this story, I mean that is always. I mean I, I know that for a fact. I mean I remember talking to Jerry Hudson in 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 what they call it in town there up Street, and he said, Mickey said the black market. He said you miss a person. He said and the club was under back in. And someone who had been doing their hair, he said, "Say it's absolutely frightening." Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And would you would you also have taken in apprentices over the years who then went on to open their own places, kind of thing? No, the funny thing, I, I did not because there was no apprentices, and they all went into the classes. Into classes, I, I know that the Barber Society are trying to get apprenticeship in uh, at the moment, but the funny thing is that, as far as I, I, I my idea is that the apprentice is that. I take on the apprentice and I must pay the young fella or the girl uh, 200 and something a week for doing nothing. Yeah. But now now they want the, the, the schools to pay 
they pay the schools and let the apprentice be inside there and they get their block release after a couple of oh, months. Oh, yeah, like other apprentices but, do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But like, see, they, 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 no one will sit down to the apprentice on the floor. They must practice in their own time, bring in their own family to the court here at night time. So it's so, a long day then for the barber to be, to, to be teaching that. But would it have been then that maybe your, your clientele were, were sadly getting older and passing away? Or I know, we, no? still, we still have a good few young people as well. And, you, and you're, 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 you're doing all the different crazy cuts and everything that people are looking for. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. I, mean, I, I was showing, I was showing a, a lad out in Artman the other day, two guys out in Artman on Saturday. I brought, I brought a book out by my art and craft of hairdressing and I showed them back to 1920 and they couldn't believe what they were looking at. And they said, we think we have a modern haircut. I'll tell you what you haven't know today, I said, with the haircuts. You have a Beatles haircut with shorter hair. <laughs> if you look at it, that's what it is. Okay, if you look at the fringes of the whole lot, they're all swept over like the, like the Beatles and go, but they're all shot back in size and none I mean, the, story, so the I stories about the shopper. I, I, don't like, I, don't like, I don't like them, personally. I know. I like a bit of hair that you can work on. Yeah, would you do a barber has to do what he's sold, doesn't he? You can try and coke somebody, but oh, what they want is what they and, want. And, and you, and you must read the person's mind as well at the same time. But you, in the past, so of like, course, have actually cut many heads of hairs without taking any money for it, because you could have been dealing with people on hard times, right? I would have, yeah, I would have, yeah. Uh, I would and have, yeah. I wonder how many of the big international brands or those with big <clears throat> swanky salons would do the same. Or didn't Donica no, once I mean, go out and would, cut the, so didn't, would. what? Some maybe would, I'm wrong. Maybe they would. Okay, well, it's good no, of you no, to say that. Some yeah. would, I know that. I know some people are very, very good. Like, you take Joe outside and out in the there. That man is mild, is what he does. Yeah, but I, I, would, regard, I would regard that as being, um, you know, kind of almost like a, the, the family business, not unlike yours. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that they would I, have, I, a, I implied, have the personal I touch. My own sister. Yeah. Yeah. I implied my own sister, Neil. But I implied her. She just was in the shop. She, she, she had to get her stamps paid, she had to get her wages, she had to get the holiday money. I was talking to a guy yesterday. I was getting tires. And he's part-time. And he couldn't believe that you get holidays being part-time. I played golf for a guy last year who was a builder. And he couldn't believe, and a handy builder. And he couldn't believe that part-timers got holidays. I said, how many days a week do they work for you? Oh, he said maybe two or three. Well, I said they build up their hours. Yeah, and that's And they're it. entitled to it. But they're entitled to it. But you're 58 years now since you went in as a, as a young fellow. 57 now. So you went into Merchant's Key with your dad, Peter. I did. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I can tell you, I was, when I was 13 years of age, I was pushing the kids down in Kilgrews and, and, and the slide. When they were 13 years of age, uh, and they had a little slide inside in Kilgrews. That was my start to work as was, really. What and a great time to deal, and I met some fantastic people. And what do you think your dad would make of the news after coming up uh, to 87 years of Moriarty's? Yeah, I say he, you look at the situation, I suppose he, he, he'd stay there on his own. And I wouldn't be able to stay on my own. I wouldn't be able to do six to eight and I was like I did long ago. I remember walking nine hours straight through my mother coming over with a cup of tea and a sandwich and six or seven people behind your back all day from eight o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't have my dinner until maybe seven o'clock in the evening. Standing you know? all day long, moving around, standing, moving around. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean I could I could do two hours, maybe two and a half hours an hour uh, if, I, if I, I just kept going for five, five or six years and then I'd have to take two tablets to keep myself going. 
and the reason, and the recent decision then was were, were you were you labouring over that? Like where there were sleepless nights over it with worry and stress? Oh God, yes. Oh God, there was Neil. Um, last October, my two lads inside we'd done because it's been twenty five years, and all of it. I suppose twelve or thirteen years on and off, and they said, Mick, you're fooling yourself trying to keep the place quiet. You put money into it. You're putting fifteen grand into it on two different occasions and stop fooling yourself. It's time to go. I mean, I'll let you do something extraordinary. And the one thing that I always dreamt about was this, is that I've got a little touch in the latter. I was going to have a straw for a car for, for, for my customers without advertising it. Because if you advertise it, you'll be open seven days a week. And that was the one thing I, I, I always dreamt I would be able to do for my customers. I couldn't even do a free draw last Christmas. It was so quiet. Because I owe, I owe the tax on a, a few pounds. I got 58,000 EWSS money going back to work, going after the staff. Yeah. Right? Last September, I got a personal income tax bill for that. I got very little out of that now, Neil. That was for my staff. I got a bill for 13,607, which I now must pay. I know. So the t- so the so the only opportunity you would have to keep going was be ploughing another fifteen grand into it, but it's good money after exactly, that. Yeah. Exa- exactly, and I know one other person in Limerick who got the same bill as myself. And I asked another few people, and they wouldn't even reply to me in the game. And I'd be very straight about it. I know others have got cut as well with this EWSS money. But maybe, maybe, maybe it's just time to try and accentuate the positive on this. Like that, your time is done. It's bricks and mortars. Your health is your wealth. Enjoy retirement. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I'm 76 now next September. You know? And, uh, like, I mean, I, I'm not going to get young fellas in on the chair to me because they talk a different world all together to me in the story. And then I'm, and I, and to make it worse that I'm stone deaf on my left ear and I have to turn down the radio inside and the boys are giving out to me because they love the music pop and they love this yeah. and they love the vibe yeah, yeah I understand yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and I can't hear you talking to me because I'm dead my left there and that's heartbreaking as well you know so like I mean I nearly actually went to the back and cut the head of hair so I have silence and I can talk to you in one to one so will so. you will you put up a for sale sign or, or what as far as I know it's going up today uh, that was the arrangements anyway. But on Saturday, I got two phone calls uh, of two people interested. And one of those was in the hairdressing business. And please God, uh, she did say to me that if it, go, if it went right, that she would uh, keep the business open. And I would be absolutely thrilled. Mm. Mm. So we, we will stay open as long as, uh, as, long as I have the building, mm. no matter how long it takes. It would take six months, it would take six weeks, and then it could take six years. But I most certainly will keep the place open at my prices, and I don't want I don't want to be charging big big prices in any. I'm quite happy to get, but unfortunately the volume of traffic has gone down. I did get I did get a phone call on Saturday, and a guy said to me, "Oh, this is only a ply now, by he said you want to put up the price for here because it's twenty. And he put down the phone. Yeah, she's an idiot. Was, he's it, an idiot. I mean, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. challenge you. I would challenge you to put your prices up because you're way out of step price wise. But you know, you know oh, best. You know, you know. Oh, best. Yeah. And I, and you like I mean, sixteen year old haircut. The staff outside they get a few bar for after customers. So like, I don't want to be taking away their tips either at the same time. That's what would happen, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. what would happen. That's what would, that's what would happen. But we're seeing it in restaurants. We spoke about the tongue sing. We're seeing it in pubs and places like that, and businesses. A lot of the small ones closing. Uh, it's difficult times at the moment, isn't it, Mick? 
It is. It is. It is. I, I mean, I, I feel sorry for anyone who has to rent the premises and try to keep going. I'm fascinated in our business, in our little business, how a guy can pay three fifty, four hundred and fifty euro a week to rent a barbershop and they're, they're, they're paying that kind of money for ten years. They have nothing behind them. Instead of going to the bank and trying to buy the place. But see, the banks, the banks won't, won't, won't give them the money to, to buy it because obviously they're, they're, their friends own the properties. And maybe the bank managers might be involved as who well. Who knows? Who knows? Oh no, who knows, you know? Yeah. But I feel sorry, anyone trying to rent a business. Like, Lango and Neil, you could pick up, I could pick up my phone and I could ring AID, ID with them. And I'd say, look, it's quiet, generally. We loan a 5,000 there for a couple of months. And that's where the, the, your account will tell you to do the business. Don't put your own money into it. Walk it off, you get your tax relief. And in March, then you pay back that by April. There you are. Thank you very much. Yeah. Next year, then again, by happen again. Lean time. Now you ring. Now you ring. And you, get, you, don't get a, you don't get a voice on the other side in the story. You must leave all your details and they don't even entertain you. They won't even come back to you. Mm. Mm. You know? mm. But I, I, I've had great times. I've had great times. I met some. I met. Fa- I met fantastic people. I must say, I was very, very lucky. I, as the fellow, as Jim Clancy and Adam Mercy said, I have doctors and doctors, and I don't know which has the most money. <laughs> Did he say that? Did he say that? <laughs> my uncle, my uncle, my uncle Paddy married his sister Mary Clancy. You know. This I talked to Mary yesterday. She rang me to wish, wish, wish me all the best yesterday. Uh, she's lovely. She's lovely. She so read lovely she songs. Martin, 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 News is certainly very personal, you know, and 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 it and, and it hurts. Like you know, going back to to Merchant's yeah, case, I say, to me, Dad, would you ever would you ever take a dictaphone and uh, record your memoirs? So I'm actually going out out to Alicante for a few days while you're on in February, and uh, I'm going to bring something with me. I want to try and sit, go back to 1948, but I was born in Ballincollig, and but I came into Blackpool in '57. And I'll try and record all the good things that I had done through the years. Oh my God! Come yeah. back to me when that's a work in progress. That would be great <laughs> news to be able to be involved in that. If there's there's a book in the Baldy Barber, I have a few friends that said to me, "Will will, will you do a book?" I said, "I, I think I'll wait till Mary goes because there might be a few things she mightn't like to hear." <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one thing anyway. You were always very honest and forthright. But listen, um, thanks so much for the update. Sad and all as the news is, even if the for sale sign goes up, you'll keep it open till somebody takes it over. Oh God, yeah, yeah oh, God, I know. Will you? And, right, and, I, and I can tell you, Neil, I step outside that as good as anyone, and I know, that, I know that the lads. Would be straight away, and the girls would be picked up by another shop where they're charging twenty three euro haircut. Yeah, not a problem. Right. And I know that for a fact. I know that okay. for a fact. Okay, we'll talk. and thank you again for all the good times that we had on the on we'll the, the radio. I know we'll, we'll talk again. This is not the end of anything by any stretch no, of the imagination. No, 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 no. But, but I, I will keep you updated. All right, right Mick. Very much. Okay. Very good. Take care. Take, take care. care. Take care. Bye-bye. The Baldy Barber. Your thoughts on that are welcome as always. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Calls on the way. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM.
conversation that matters. And get involved in the conversation. Pick up the phone 0818104106. I cannot come on, but there's a huge discussion needs to be had regarding the black market in barbering. They're not just operating at home, but renting chairs, not paying tax, and pocketing every penny. It's pushing out a lot of business, not just the Baldy Barber. It's ruining the trade and ruining the culture. How does that work? Uh, maybe that was a point I should have made with the Baldy Barber. Renting a chair. Does that mean that a hairdresser or a barber would go into an existing business and rent a chair within the salon and take the money and maybe pay a little bit to the salon owner or something like that? Is that how it works? Please explain. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines. Angela, good morning. Good morning, Nate. You have been so patient. You? Thank you so much Happy for your New patience. Year. Happy yeah. New Year, girl. Yeah. So you're, you're actually a neighbour and a friend of Sheila, the Golden Girl. I am. I am a very good friend of you're Sheila. Not, you're not one of the Golden Girls that heads out for a burger to Highburger. No, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, okay. I, meet her, I meet her when I go out there. Lovely I woman. She up the road for me. Yeah. I Sheila's Now, she mentioned, she mentioned about the men on Patrick Street that put up and took down all of the lights and the Christmas trees and that they, were be, they used to be fed by Mrs. Lee in the tongue sing. No, what I'm talking about now is you remember, you, you have to remember you were small, the big crib that went up on the island in Patrick Street. Yeah, yeah, I do. You remember that? Yeah. Like the Harney Brooks, the builders used to do that. And my husband worked for Harney Brooks Christy. for 47 years. Yeah. He's dead now, Lord of Mercy. Oh, that's the song. But he, him and his Bussies used to go climb up and put up the scaffold and put up the trees and everything. But Mrs. Lee would come down, give them their mid-morning lunch, give them their lunch at dinner time and feed them for the few days they'd be there. And the very same when they'd be taking it down. And but that started when Brother Owen Kelly in the Presentation College started the share Go away. And would yeah. she bring the food out to them, the hot Chinese food? Oh, or would no, they, she'd go- bring them up. Oh, no, she'd bring them up. She'd bring them upstairs and give it to them upstairs. And that was year in, year out, was it? Year in, year out. And, and it was the very last to take down that crib. I have a picture of it there from the examiner that he took the last statue off that when it stopped. And if Mrs. Lee was doing that for your husband Mrs. and his workmates... Sheila, you come down and call him. And I go up then, and she, like in the Harney Blues, she used to do work for Mrs. Lee. And did, Mrs. And, and Mrs. 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 And like that. Mrs. Lee, was she, is she Chinese, or did she marry into the family? Is she Cork, or, or what? Do you know? I think she's Chinese. Okay, so, okay, part part of the Lee family itself. And if she was doing that for the lads you're talking about, there are chances that she was doing all sorts of other charitable acts that we never knew about and kind things. I think so. Oh, she was was a very good woman. My husband praised her to the last anyway. And so did the workers. Very you know kind. That? It was very kind. She you must know, have loved her street. She must have loved her Patrick Street and the people upon it. Oh, she did. Oh, she did. I was very, very sorry to hear last week that she was closing down. And I was I very like, sorry to only hear this morning. Your, your husband, Christy, passed away. Sorry. If he was alive to know that she was closing down. He really would. Yeah, he's not long gone, sure he's not, Angela. Year and a half. Christmas Day, I think, was it? No, last May, last May. Okay, sorry, it said Christmas Day here, my apologies. But was, was so did he work all his life with Hornybrooks? All his life, 47 years. Building houses, is it? 
No, they still repair work. The builders? They might do an extension, yeah. but they, they, yeah, Honeybrook's in, in Henry Street. And were they good? Were they good to work with, yeah? Oh, they were fabulous. They were never walker and bath. They treated all the walkers equally. There was no such thing as you were a labourer or you were a carpenter or that. Everyone was, was the same. No wonder the everyone business lasted was for the so same. long. In yeah. fact, is uh, no, what, what uh, your the, the interviewer now must have mixed up. I said his boss died only Christmas Day. Is Jack that Hardy right? Jack Horney? Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. reading that. I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, went, I, went yeah. To, I went to secondary school actually with a couple of the of, of the of the kids to be quite a lovely a lovely family from the Douglas area. Oh, beautiful family, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah Eddie died a few years ago, but my husband used to also go down to Kinsale even when he retired. I, I, I woke the next morning after the day he retired and he was gone to work. <laughs> and I would tell you. Reared a family, reared a family as well? Oh, yeah, we are five. And um, he died on all the horny brooks, so they were beautiful. Up to now, even to me now, my daughters and son went to Jackie's funeral there last week. Yeah. And I, I buried, I couldn't go because I buried my brother in law that morning. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, and Jackie's uh, Jackie died Christmas Day. That's so, where. Yeah, it sounds as if it was one day. big family, as as you say. There was neither worker nor boss. I know. Oh, they were. I, oh, know. They were. I know. I mean, I even remember old Mister Honeybrook. Well, that goes back. Yeah. That goes back. Well, listen, yeah. um, I'm delighted to hear those lovely oh, stories. I just had to say about Mrs. Ling, like, you know, because, like, to be, I say, I take no lunch now because we're putting the crib up today, Mrs. Ling will feed us. <laughs> so they knew the food would be there. I love it. A lovely, lovely story. Thank you so much, Angela. Mind yourself. Thanks very much, Neil. Take care, and take care. And you yeah. too. God bless, God bless. Okay. Many a Saturday night we had in the tongue sing happy memories. Um, the council needs to wake up. Unfortunately, the council mismanagement and lack of strong policing. The city is either dead or dying. Uh, as Freddie put it, Neil, another one bites the dust. Somebody else says the city has gone to the dogs. All the old little companies are closing and in comes the big corporations to start buying up the whole city. Big corporations, of course, would have um, uh, much deeper pockets to be able to pay the rents and the rates, though. Isn't it true? Um, Another spot, perhaps, for a Starbucks, so somebody else, or a vape shop. Regardless of the sentiments here, the underlying fact is that business rates and rents have been astronomical for city centre businesses along with the higher prices of, say, for instance, alcohol or food. People have to fork out six fifty for a pint, €9 euro for a spirit and a mixer. Restaurants operating in the suburbs make a night out less attractive for people going into the city. People now probably go into town as a treat once in a while, rather than in the past when there were frequent, frequent visits. That is true. We, we tend more and more now to stick to our own local parishes, don't we? Um, anyway, text 0868104 six on that one and we'll pick it up again in the morning that and lots more besides I ran out of time yesterday and my apologies for it but of course at the weekend it was Saturday wasn't it Saturday was uh, women's little Christmas on Leeside and Seamus braved the weather and the elements and the women to head off to a women's little Christmas event that Brenda and Julie had those uh, two girls from Left on Red the podcast which happened up at uh, the International Hotel on that 
next. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All right, so uh, it's great to hear that uh, women's little Christmas or little women's Christmas is thriving on Leaside. There was a time when it looked as if it was on its last legs. I, see, I saw some videos at the weekend of the lounge man who was putting on some incredible gigs at various hotels across the city on Saturday night. And it was jam full of women and they're all on their feet and enjoying themselves. And Seamus will say the same about the International Hotel on Saturday night. How did it go? How many people? Well, uh, Brenda did promise me a wild night and uh, she delivered on that uh, with spades. There were 300 women. Sold out. Sold out. It actually sold out in three minutes. <laughs> so they could have done multiples of that then. They could have. Right. And uh, what time did it start? Because there was an early queue and everything, was there? Well, I got there at about six, half six, just uh, just to see the lie of the land. It was starting at eight, so I went off, I had something to eat, and uh, strolled down about seven o'clock watching them setting up, and uh, there was a crowd there already, and they were there, they were really making a night of it. So, uh, there were people came from Limerick, from Dublin, and other parts of the country. How does it work? I know there. I know it culminated in with strippers and all that kind of thing. That, that happens a lot of the time with women's at Christmas but you have 300 women in a room what drinking or singing well, or what they, they they were drinking yes uh, they were the bar was open uh, so it, it started at 8 o'clock with the two girls being uh, brought up on stage led by a saxophonist playing um do you say a saxophonist or a sexophonist? Sax. Okay. <laughs> just, just the, asking. The sexophonist was later. They were the uh, male right, strippers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they uh, just had a bit of a monologue, the two of them between them. And uh, then they played some games where ha- uh, they asked questions like, never have I ever. And okay, well, deal, w- let's just deal with that one game. So this is a game that people are asked, have you ever done or been? or something? And then people stand up if they have. Well, they started with the uh, the audience standing, uh, all standing up. So if they had never, say, for instance, been to prison, they sat down. Did anybody remain standing with the question, have you ever been to prison? Yes, there was one lady there who uh, went to Limerick Prison for non-payment of her TV licence. Did she say for how long? And she... Six hours, maybe. Six hours, but, like, the thing is... Um, she was taken away, and uh, <laughs> apparently, if you don't pay your TV license for, I suppose, 12 months, you get 12 months out of it before you actually end up going to court to uh, end up yeah, going to prison. Fortunately, you still have to pay the television license, but that's for another day. So she was the woman who said, I've been to jail. Yeah. Right? Is there a prize for something like that? Um, no, but she was the butt of everybody's joke for the night. She was kind of picked on every now and again. <laughs> and, and there was karaoke as well and singing, and then, then the strippers and stuff. Well, there was no karaoke. Basically, well, what it was... Well, videos it, of people it, singing. It, well, yeah, basically what it was, it was... Uh, music bingo so they got you to log on to this website and you got a bingo card but it was the name of bands and music so you'd mark off the the, the bands and music that that are being played but people were standing up they were singing they were dancing it was a real wild night it was and uh, like they you also got an insight into what the podcast was about as well and it was win-win people came away happy Happy and wanting to come back again, right. and a lot of them tune into the into the podcast, and they know to expect the unexpected with these two. Let's have a listen to some of the audio from Saturday night. Thanks, Seamus. We saw it on Instagram. 
Instagram really. Made for us. We gotta go. Group of seven girls. Oh. And what are you expecting? Um, excitement. <laughs> and strippers. <laughs> <laughs> no, like just a bit of crack. Strippers are they main attraction? Are they first? We'll obviously die if there's a stripper, like but you know. Oh, you never know. You might get a, uh, there might be a couple of firemen there for you. You never freaking know. <laughs> we'll go with the flow anyway. <laughs> I know the ladies up the front are expecting strippers. What are you expecting? Whatever comes out. <laughs> I'm very easily pleased, man. If you have strippers, not a bother. You won't hear from me. This is my first time actually at a podcast. And what are you expecting? Um, laughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loads of laughs and jokes. Thank God I'm not the only man here. You got dragged around long here. I know, just because I'm part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You're not one of the strippers, are you? Yeah. <laughs> You'll see later. We're watching Park Up Rose. Really good crack. We know what we can expect and we can't wait. We're really looking forward to it. Love the two girls. Pa- listen to the podcast every Monday. Love it. Can't wait for it. Looking forward to the night. Myself and Julie are going to have the chats as well. There's going to be games and there's going to be a very big surprise at the very end. Strippers! Strippers, yes. Yeah. So is all this all about empowering women or what? No, to be honest with Seamus, we're just having the crack. It's just an excuse to get out, yeah. Seamus. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. It is yeah. We'd go to an opening of a fridge at yeah. this stage. There's men here as well. Like, my dad is outside. Julie's brother's here. There's a few other men here as well. So, you know, little women's Christmas and a few little men as well. With us. So yeah. I'm not my own. No, I'm just like Seamus as well here. You're in for a wild night, boy. We're going to welcome the girls in a sec. What I need is everybody singing, everybody dancing as loud as you can, okay? Will you please welcome your hosts, Julie and Brenda.
it was something I always wanted to do. And you know, you keep waiting for Mr. Right and wait for Mr. Right, and it never happens. So I always thought about it in my 20s, but uh, I didn't decide to do anything about it until I got a bit. I say it was in my 30s, and you know, time is taken for a woman, so I was like, no, this is it now, I have to do it, I'm not waiting for anyone anymore. So I decided to go on the journey to be a mom all by myself. you at the bar and I said it's not Dean Gaffney do you want to know who it was? Yeah! Look it was Phil Mitchell alright? In reality it was a cousin of Alphone back in the day alright? Go back a few years it was a cousin of Alphone. Yeah so that's my bad news. And also um, oh no no so the friend there with a banging headache. They are just hysterical from start to finish. So that's it. Fly on the wall. Audio on the wall from a women's little Christmas or as Brenda correctly said little women's Christmas at the International Hotel. I need to lie down. Back in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.